podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 394th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host, Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call so far, just the one man on his own, Sam Andy Patterson, is here with us going live on YouTube, 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. Don't forget the Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everyone listening through the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are. Welcome to you. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of October. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Andy, how are you getting on on this glorious Sunday evening? Absolutely tremendous, mate. Absolutely tremendous. Knockouts galore last day, last night, even during the week there, as you're talking about. And of course, the big one coming up next week that's possibly going to get me up. In the middle of the night, uh, it's not going to be my son, unfortunately. It's going to be me getting up but by 3, 4 in the morning to watch Lomachenko baptise young Tiafimo Lopez. I can't wait to get rid of this chat for this, day, for this fight. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, a lot of Lopez fans really kind of buying into it and stuff like that. So they're really making it kind of like, you know, probably bring it more to kind of 50-50. But um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that fight. It's absolutely going to be brilliant. Yes, we are going to put aside quite a lot of stuff so we can have a good discussion after half eight because rapping Rob Kelly's jumping on around half eight. Ozzy's with us as well. We'll come to him very shortly. He's very welcome. Rob Kelly, as I said, is coming on around the half eight mark. So after that, we're going to get stuck straight into Lomachenko Lopez. We had one guest. Uh, we had two guests. We were down to one. Looks like we're down to naught at the moment. Uh, hopefully our guest will be able to jump on and join us. He's having a few issues with the old hands, which, which tends to happen to boxers, doesn't it? Whenever you're punching people in the head. Uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Let's have a look who's hanging around there. Tosh Bear Grills Malone says, where are we able to watch it, Steve? Well, I think if you're talking about Lomachenko Lopez, it's on Fight TV and other places are available. You might be able to watch it on the radio if you know what you're doing. Shout out to Mickey Redman, Matthew Russell, Tay Games, knocking about there. Me, Andy, Ames and Ben Fruke were on BNTV last night doing a little post-fight pod if anyone wants to check it out. It's over on Facebook, Twitch and other various uh, locations. Ian Wigley's there, Paul Raftery, Eggy Phil, Boom. Just picking out the selected names here. A good solid 9,000 in the chat. No doubt looking forward to Bellew of the Weeks later. You'll know what's coming. You'll know <laughs> what's coming later on. If I can hold off that long without playing it beforehand, who knows? I've got a little clip for you. James Tapner's there. Who else is in the chat? Ricky Gravel. Hello, Ricky. How are you? John O'Donovan as well. All the names from the past. Joe Kennedy snapped his Achilles. Could be getting in the ring soon with Javonta Davis. Uh, Stacey King. Uh, I'd like to give it a boxing channel. That's Andrew there. Uh, Alan is here with us as well. Richard Wetton. Sometimes I miss the boys out in the chat. I want to give him a good shout out tonight. Pat on the back as well. Two. Who else do we have? Paver. Paver always comes in at the beginning of the chat, leaves us a message. Don't see him. Oh, here's Jason Chahal, Curly Watts, Sean Edwards as well. Yep, let's get on with it and show it. Enough of this messing about. You know what, Andy? Just before we get on to the boxing here, uh, I broke my phone a couple of weeks ago and I bought myself a new phone. And uh, I went into the old iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you call it these days, and I thought to myself, I'm going to find a couple of boxing podcasts to listen to. I'm a big fan of the boxing podcasts, as you know. I think I'll freshen things up a bit. Just type in boxing. And there on the main screen came six little tiles. You had the usual suspects, William Hill, Sky, all of that type of shit. And then right down the bottom of the six tiles, just punching above its weight like a little journeyman, Boxing Asylum, Nutter's podcast on the there first go, page yeah. there, Andy, as always. There you go. We've been just we've been you know breaking jaws and shagging moths. You know, it's just we've been doing the business for the last how long is it now? Ten it must be ten years since two thousand and eleven, I think. Yeah, we're doing it. You know, freelance. You know, no financial backing, no big promotion stuff like that. Just doing the you know, you know ear to the street to the you know the boxing game, uh, keeping it real, trying to keep the chat real and that as well. About a banter. That's all you, what you want. You know, absolutely. No shells, there's no shells running about here. 
No shills, no advertisements, no sponsorships as yet. Nobody wants to come near us, as you can imagine. Yeah, nine years it's been going for. I haven't obviously been here from the beginning. I know Andy was, Dave the Hotel back was there, Matty Di Gelinardo as well, Tommy the Guru Allen, our glorious leader. But I think myself as a relative baby, Andy, but I actually came on board 2014 around Frampton Martinez. So I've been knocking around for six years or so. We've, we've, we've done well so far, coming up to episode 400. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? On to the action itself. BT Sports card, first of all, Andy, with you. Liam Williams getting the first-round knockout win over Andrew Robinson. On the undercard, I mean, Jesus Christ, Nathan Gorman coming in, saying he was hungry. He shouldn't have been hungry with a belly like that. He must have been filling his face against Richard Larty, who came in pretty heavy himself, not impressed with Big Larty, didn't put in the same type of effort and endeavour as he did against Daniel Dubois. And Willie Hutchinson, how shit can his record get? They tried to move him up against Jose Miguel Fandino. Didn't quite work out. It's a bit of an early stoppage there. You can talk about any of that, Andy, if you wish. What about the main event? First of all, Liam Williams, I was going to say, he didn't really get out unscathed because he ended up with that cut, but I would have maybe preferred a few more rounds. We wanted to see him fight Demetrius Andre. What did we learn about either guy, Andy? Did we learn anything at all? Well, I learned for Liam Williams that when the miss comes down, um, he, goes to, he just goes to war because I think he got really angry with himself, from that, um, especially with the cut. I know it was an accidental clash of heads and stuff. And it did, I think it affected Robinson more than it affected Williams, actually. Um, he was kind of like dabbing at it. And then Williams just went straight to a work and just kind of, you know, rammed him up with the, with the left hooks of the body and the up top and that. There's not really much you can you can take from it other than the fact is that Liam Williams is still, in my opinion, uh, the most improved fighter probably uh, in the UK um, over the last few years, at least anyway. Um I would absolutely. I mean, we were talking about it last night on on, on Ben's podcast. Now, I think he's he's going to. You know, I know he's been mandated uh, apparently for the WBO to fight Andrade. And I, I'm I'm not too sure we're going to get it next. Now, he might have to wait a little bit. Um, we're talking about the Yanabek for Kazakhstan. That might be a, a that might be a real test for Williams. Actually, I think it'd be a real test for both guys, both banging, both in great condition, probably at the peak of their careers. Um, there's, maybe we get a, a Liam Williams rematch, but that's maybe not possible with the promotional side and stuff. You know, kind of Islam in there as well, and Mungia, who's probably going to try and use the WBO uh, mandatory status as well to try and get his shot because obviously he had uh, so many defences at 154, so he might try and call uh, a defence as well. We'll wait and see, but um, there's really much you can take from other factors that Liam Williams is still looking very, very good. He's hungry, he wants his title shot, and um, I think the Andrade fight would be absolutely ideal for him. Um, third time asking, possibly as well. Um, you know, I don't think there would be, there would be a fourth actually, considering how you know how things are going to maybe work out of that weight and that. But uh, if he gets the opportunity in that, I would, I would. It's fifty-fifty for me. And uh, if if he if he wants it, if he's really really wanting it, I think he can he could he could take it to Andrade and that. Who we've seen him just stink at the joint, you know, easily sit in box and stuff. I think if Williams is hungry as he's and just kind of like hurts him, he might he, he might even get Andrade out of there. We'll wait and see. But um, I think at this point as well, as he's 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 right in the mix now. So hopefully he gets his title fight next, uh, and you know, we'll wait for there and that. But um, it'll be interesting to see who who actually hosts it as well between Frank and and and, the, and Eddie, I suppose, and that and where it's going to land America or in the UK and that. But um, I dare say if it goes to America, we might get some fans in there. Depends where they hold it and that. I'm seeing some events in America getting fans back in, so we'll wait and see how that goes. Yes, we will wait and see. A few more boys have joined the chat here. Ricky Gravel is knocking about there. Also, uh, Rabsi Nesbitt. Uh, somebody asked me for a shout-out. It wasn't Glyn Problems. It might have been him, actually. Uh, Mr. Jones says Wellings needs to get Lupi Fuentes on. I don't know who he is. 
Um, who was it? Oh, yeah, Liam Wynn. Shout out to Liam Wynn over on Facebook. Don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe button, all that type of stuff. Hit the dislike button if you think we're shit. Not a problem. Ozzy, nobody thinks you're shit. All waiting for your opinions on the Liam Williams-Andrew Robinson fight. Looks like he's uh, getting the weight off. He's got a bit of spite in his punches, Williams. Obviously, feeding him um, something, uh, you know, a bit of juice up there in the old uh, north of England. Yeah, I mean, the juice is good up here. Um, all legit, of course. But... It is what it is. I understand why the fight went ahead. Uh, let's not forget, Andrew Robinson was Williams' mandatory. Um, so it, the board ordered this fight. Williams is certainly wanting to keep active. So, so I didn't mind it. With the purse bids looming around the corner, why sit and wait? We criticise fighters far too often for sitting, waiting, rather than not. I'm not saying it's a risk, but you know, all it takes is a, a bad cut or an injury. Uh, and it can rule you out for a, a matter of time. So I was more than happy for Williams to take this fight. And, and look, yeah, he, he did get a cut. But he dealt with Robinson in a way that he should be doing. Um, looked far too big, far too strong, was vicious. Uh, and poor Robin, Andrew Robinson just didn't know what to do. Um, I, I think he was kind of not shook up, but maybe a bit phased by the cut. Williams literally saw blood uh, um, and just went for it and did exactly that. Um, purse bids have been ordered now. That There's going to be a negotiation period. I don't see the fight being made in negotiations. So it will go to purse bids. And look, with limited crowds happening in America um, and DAZN haven't got the budgets they once had, I think there's a legit chance Queensbury could win this purse bid. I mean, why not? Will Williams is one of their hot properties. So why not do your best to bring Andrade over here? And if that means, look, he doesn't want to do that and he chucks the belt away, so be it. But Liam Williams' next fight will be for that WBO belt. Um, he's bang up for it. And I think he's got, the, he's got the, the style and ability to cause Andrade problems as well. Um, he can punch hard. He'll, he'll come forward. He can box as well. Look, he's he's a lot better than what you know. Just this this big lump who's come up to one sixty and can bang. He, he's a talented fighter. Um, he's had the experience in you know obviously two close defeats against Liam Smith, but you've learned a lot from that. And that was six pound lighter as well. He, he's looked excellent, albeit against limited, somewhat you know like domestic level opposition. Yeah, but look where their respective careers are now, the two Liams. Yeah, exactly. yeah 100%. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. Um, who would you rather be at the moment? Liam Smith made the move and decided to go over to uh, to Matchroom. Apart from a fight with Sam Eggington uh, and a couple of others, he's nothing. He's not even being spoken about now. Um, it was all, you know, everything's criticised, you know, with what Frank did to him. But fuck me, he got him the world title shot against that John Thompson. He then got in that Canelo fight and then he got him another Mungia. shot against that Jaime Mungia. And he got dropped so, in that yeah, fight as well. Yeah, and look, he's stuck by Liam Williams as well. And Williams has bounced back. Uh, and look, came in against Mark Efron, who we all thought realistically... You know, I tipped Efron to win. Yeah, so did I. We said this last yeah. night, me and Andy, actually. And it's another thing we said, Ozzy, which you touched upon there, people are shitting on Williams, only like American fans on Twitter. He's mm. a step up for Andre, as far as I'm concerned. Well, of course he is, yeah. I mean, um, I completely agree. Like, some of the, you've, you've got to think, some of the mandatories we see in this day and age, 
you know, it's like, fuck me, how's he got there? Liam Williams is a worthy, you know, look, he's not had that, you know, like proper eliminator type of thing, but well, he did against Atlantis Fox. But look at what Andrade did with Fox. He just laboured to, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was, in fact, that Atlantis Fox dropped Andrade in the, um, I think it was in the seventh or eighth round. Williams absolutely destroyed him. So I, I agree. Look, it's a definite step up. Look at Andrade's last fight, Luke Keeler. I think we know what Liam, Liam Williams would do to Luke Keeler. He'd absolutely destroy him and it wouldn't be going nine rounds. Um, Arta Akovov, again, you know, I think um, Andre defended the belt against him. Williams would destroy him as well. Walter Corton Dockwa, who he beat for the vacant title. We know he'd be, uh, we know what Williams would be doing there. So, this I agree, this is a step up and it's a fight I want to see. And it'll be a real disappointment if Andre chucks the belt away. He's come out with some comments saying, Oh, I'm, I'm not in the business of Liam Williams, I, I want the bigger fights. Andre is not a big, you know, he's still not a big name already. He chucks that belt away. What does he bring? Because Dazon ain't got that cash now. So why would he chuck it away? And if he thinks he can beat Williams, you take that mandatory. Yeah, Ozzy, another thing I was going to say to you, actually, you mentioned about Andrew Robinson just briefly there about, uh, do yeah. we sometimes underestimate just how quickly fighters have to make a decision? Like, we look we look afterwards, we talk about it on a Sunday evening, you know, post-fight pods, whatever, and when the dust has settled. But, you know, yeah. Robinson has to suddenly, like, make a split decision about what he's going to do. Is it the right decision? Is he going to carry on? Is he going to fight for it? Is it a bad cut? All these things are going on within a matter of seconds, you know, it's to try and make yeah. that decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and I think what it was as well is that he realised the cut and I think he just couldn't react quick enough because Williams, if you watch the fight back and you see, you know, Williams realised his cut, you look at the look at the reaction of Williams, he bores in and he just goes for it. And I just think Robinson was caught a bit cold. Um, look, the levels are there. Um, and I reiterate, the board made this fight. It wasn't a voluntary defence. Uh, Robinson will come again. There's no shame in getting beat off Liam Williams, who is above British level, isn't he? He is the champion, but he's above British level. So the, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and yeah, look, um, we all know body shots. It's clearly took it out of him. I don't, I don't think he's ducked the fight and, and you know gave up. I think combination of being caught, being caught cold and taking a big body shot, it was just too much for him. But he'll certainly come back. Um, I, I think Williams will probably probably vacate the belt as soon as you know the the the, tight, it, um, the the fight is made for the WBO belt. So there's no reason why Andrew Robinson can't be in the frame later down the line. Uh, maybe against Nathan Heaney, uh, one of Frank's middleweights. There, uh, maybe fighting you know like the winner of say Mark Heffron, Denzel Bentley. Which could well be for the vacant, um, could well be for the British title. Um, that's going to be announced next week, uh, headlining a show in November. So it, it's one of them, yeah. I think we sometimes we do maybe overreact and say he could have done this and he couldn't have done that. He's got 10 seconds. Uh, and like I say, a combination, Liam Williams was just a better fighter. And it was the first round, a lot went on. And Williams' experience just and, and you know superior ability allowed him to do what he did. 
Uh, any quick uh, rundown of the undercard? Anything that caught your eye, Ozzy, before we go back to Andy? Um, I agree, a bit pissed off with Richard Larty. I, I thought after seeing him against Dubois, he came in and he just threw bombs. And he thought, I thought, right. And after seeing Gorman on the scales, which was really disappointing, because um, I do think Gorman is a talented fighter and he's got skills. But what I applaud him for is he came out after the fight. And to be fair, he looked half decently. He displayed an excellent jab, which he's not really done before. But Gorman said uh, during, you know, after the Dubois fight and a combination of that and lockdown, he bloomed up to 25 stone. Now, that's a lot of weight for fucking anybody. So he's got down. Look, he's, he must have shedded about six stone there. And he's probably got another stone and a half to go. Um, that was eliminated for the Commonwealth title. I'd like to see, uh, and it was called out yesterday. I think a good yardstick could be someone against like Gorman against Lucas Brown. Mm. We can forget. Can you imagine the, the can... combined weight? Fucking hell, I know. Yeah, that t- talk about so that. That would be some serious weight. Do you think uh, it was because Larty, um, because Dubois went for Larty and sort of brought the beast out of him? It become like a bit of a slinging match, whereas Agreed. Gorman yeah. lulled him to sleep by like boxing him. Yes, exactly that. And I think Larty tried to you know, like make it a bit of a, a rough and tough shootout when, you know, he was elbowing and he stuck a nut on Nathan Gorman. And fair play to Gorman, he, he didn't react at all. Uh, and he just stuck to what he knew and he nullified Larty and made him look what he is really, which is very substandard and, you know, like Commonwealth level at best. Um, Hutchins, that Fandino's, he was shy. I mean, look, we said it last week, Sergio Martinez is knocking this guy out and he's got no knees and he's 45. Willie Hutchinson destroyed that, and, and he needs step ups now, and he needs round like you know, like good rounds. Um, so I'd like to see him out again, maybe in December on that Dubois Joyce card against a decent step up. There's enough domestic 168 somewhere you can get Hutchinson a good opponent. Mark Chamberlain, like him, uh, good to watch, very, very talented, and can hit hard for lightweight. Um, I like him, very skilled, and, and he's one to watch. And that Mohib Fazeldin. Um, got battered. He, uh, I think it was Carl Greaves who said it, you know, like he, he, he's, I think Fazeldeen's looked after by Tundi Ajayi and it's just yeah, a another one. one. <laughs> yeah, another one. Yeah, it's two lads now Tundi's had on these cards. You know, like when slots are limited now and they're crap. They're rubbish. Is it sparring? Look, because they look like they've never been hit properly before. We know exactly, Yard doesn't yeah, spar. He, he, he had no idea what to do, it's, did he? It's system nine, mate. That's what it is. System, <laughs> system nine had another default, I think. It's uh, he, he just didn't know what to do, did he? Fuzzled in. He, he got hit and he's thinking, fuck, what's this? I've been hit here. Like, it's not all this tippy-tappy pad work and stuff like that. Uh, and fair play to Luke Jones. He, he, he was brought in certainly as an opponent, and he took his opportunity. Uh, as for Fazeldin, I hope we don't see him on the screens for a very long time now uh, because he's got a lot to learn uh, and he shouldn't be taking precious slots on, you know, prime time, you know, like cards when you've got other fighters waiting in the wings who are ta- more talented and are just aren't linked with, you know, like your, your, promo- your managers that are in with promoters uh, like Tundi Ajayi. Okie doke, we will be going to Boatsy shortly. That was last Sunday, obviously, after we went off the airwaves. A little bit of showbox as well before we go on to the stuff next week. Andy, you were all over a bit of European action. Tell us, uh, update us on what you were watching. I believe Bossel got knocked out by Robin Krasnicki, which probably would be a little bit of an upset of sorts. Peter Cadero was in action as well. And then over 
somewhere nice and hot. Where was it? Oh, Dubai, yeah. Victor Kotochigov uh, lost to Maxi Hughes. Fair play to Maxi winning on the road yet again. Yeah, fair play to Maxi. It was uh, a domination. I mean, I've got to say about that, uh, uh, that scorecard, was it 95, 94, I think it was, to, to Maxi The knockdown in it, yeah, just the pop yeah. and draw, yeah. That's, uh, that was disgraceful. I hope, as I say, I had, I had issues with the B-man in the last couple of days, so I only managed to catch the first six rounds. But what I did see afterwards, I thought Maxi was more than a worthy winner. I just thought that scorecard was uh, was pretty disgraceful. So uh, that was a, a belt he picked up as well, a WBC trinket, or I don't know if it was a defence or something like that. But uh, that that's bound to get him into the top 10 now with the WBC, hopefully. So um, hopefully he gets a, more opportunities off the back of that. Um yeah, big knockouts last night. I watched it, obviously, with, with the Gorman fight being on that, but I seen the state of him. I asked you guys, and I seen his weight. I'm like, did he even train for that fight? And then I seen him in the ring, and I'm like, yeah, he's no trained for that. So I was flicking between uh, the you know the, the card in France, and I was watching uh, the German card. You say, I, I, I said last week, Bosel, uh, Krasnike would probably go the distance. How wrong was that? Actually, Krasnike just came out there and just laid waste to him and stuff. What a knockout it was. Absolutely obliterated him. He's picked up that interim WBA trinket and the IBO. A heavyweight title, a light heavyweight title. So, um, Krasniki, you know, that's, that's his 56, 57 fight, I think it was. So, uh, he rolls on. It's another big payday off the back of it. Uh, Peter Kadiro uh, became German champion. He got uh, extended 10 rounds against Roman Gorst. Uh, pretty much dominated it, actually. Uh, a couple of rounds that Gorst maybe won in that. I thought maybe Kadiro hurt him a few times. And, this, and he, for some inexplicable reason, he fell into a clinch. I don't know if I just didn't kind of step back and just like to see if the guy was going to hold himself or maybe just kind of like, you know, yield or whatever. So I thought he kind of like maybe smother his own work a wee bit there. Uh, the two knockouts in France, actually, European middleweight title fight, um, really kind of vicious knockout, actually. Matteo Signani, is it Signano? Signani? Signani, isn't it, I think? Signani, 41-year-old, I think he was, uh, iced uh, Maxi Busseri uh, in two rounds, three rounds. I think it was the first or second round, actually, as well, where... Uh, a left hook, and the Frenchman's basically landed on his elbow and dislocated his, his collarbone, and that was pretty, it was pretty brutal. Uh, and Nathan Augustine uh, knocked out Tarek uh, Derfoufi, or, or Derfoufi, or we fucking pronounce it, uh, in two rounds as well. Uh, right hand, kind of like clipped him, kind of high in the head, uh, temple shot. So, yeah, uh, Roman Ferre, uh, sorry, Roman Frez, he's a cruiserweight for Germany that might be worth keeping an eye on as well. And then uh, uh, at Stanich. Uh, I think he's a Bosnian, kind of staying in, uh, or an immigrant Bosnian in Germany, who might be worth a week in an island as well, kind of decent, competent technical boxer and that as well. So, yeah, so Maxi, good win. Uh, German cards and the French cards basically brought out three, fan- three fantastic knockouts. Uh, you know, worthy of any contender uh, knockout of the year and that, so it might be worth a wee watch. They normally go three rounds, two rounds here and stuff like that, so it's worth a wee watch back again if, you want, if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. There were some massive knockouts during the week. I'll touch up on the show box ones a little bit later whenever Rapping Rob Kelly joins us. Just before we do so, um, shout out to some of our Patreon subscribers over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. Good lads that they are, including Daniel Adams, Jason Cheel, Ryan Deal, John Swan, Jasper, Owen Spillane, Nathan Newman, David Doyle, Gav, James Bernard, Danny Young, friend of the pod, hasn't been on for a while, Danny, hope he's keeping well, Ted Barrett as well, Joe Kennedy, who was hanging around in the chat earlier on, Martin, Swaggy Taggy and Steve Turton, who has his own podcast, go and check that out if you wish. If you want to show us a bit of love, throw a super chat in, no signs of Craggy Island just yet. There are signs of life, though, over in this card last week, Ozzy, in the Marshall Arena, Milton Keynes. We managed to get up to two Linus Adofia, we saw Akib Fiaz, we saw John Hedges, we saw Alan the Savage Babich, going in against Niall Kennedy. 
Uh, Chantel Cameron, after we went off air, Ozzy, fought against, I'm not sure what on earth this was, this Adriana Dos Santos Arojo. She had enough trouble trying to keep her bra straps up with her lost property uniform on. I mean, this is absolutely shit masquerading as a WBC title. No harm to Chantel. She's a good fighter, very, very skilled. But what she was being put in against somebody of this level, I honestly do not know. Uh, also, main event, Joshua Boatsy. Again, looks a little bit small for light heavyweight. I thought Kalich was having joy with the jab and the, the long-range punches against him. He got the job done, had a bit of a damaged eye. It was the type of fight Boatsy probably needed, Ozzy, that sort of gut check after being out for so long. I think two two pointers for me. First of all, he can't be out as long now. I want to see him back in at a decent level. And secondly, you have to say, if Kalich is catching him like that, imagine a big beast like Arta Baturbiev catching him with those same <laughs> shots. I don't think it would be too pretty. I agree. Um I'll touch on the, the Cameron fight first. And I must say the opponent is an Olympic medalist, but I think that was a while back. But yeah, she, she was in no state. She, I mean, fuck me. She came in like eight pound overweight. I mean, what is this? Get your tits out for the boys. I bet you were loving that, Andrew, oh, weren't you? Oh, mate. The, 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 nip, the nip slips on a Sunday night. Oh, mate, our Texas ceiling. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, look, it, it is what it is. The, the one I, I said it when I jumped on Ben's uh, little live thing earlier in the week. The one fight we want to see, Chantel Cameron against Katie Taylor. Will it happen? Who knows? Uh, but moving on to the, the main event, and I, I said it again, I, I felt Buatsi is small for light heavyweight. Um, I, I, I genuinely, well, I, I say he can make 168. I don't know because you don't know what the you know like the weight situation is, but he certainly looks like he could make one sixty eight. Um, the, the fight itself, I was critical before it. Look, I understand Kalich had a decorated amateur career, but we've seen it before when they turn over late. Paddy Barnes being an example, they've just not got it. But he asked questions to Buatzi, particularly early on, and it, it felt like when Buatzi was getting tagged, he, just, he didn't know what to do. You, you know, because he's been kind of like, he's had it all his own way. He was getting popped. And it's like, what the fuck's this? Um, he certainly learned after, I think, four or five rounds uh, and he started to bust up college. But I think it was this was a harder fight than they expected, um, which is surprising when they've been talking about take, wanting to fight the likes of Sullivan Barrera, Joe Smith Jr. would take a fight with Baturbiev. Um, we'll take a fight with Bivol. As you say, that that um, that fight, I don't think Boatsy would take shots off Anthony Yard the way he was getting tagged on Sunday off college. We know Yard can bang, and he's a big hitter. You're taking shots like that off somebody you can really punch. You, you get stopped. You know, unless you know your chin is there. And we, we've all heard before the suspect, you know, there is, um, there's a bit of suspect around his chin. So it's going to be interesting to see the way they match him next. Eddie Hearn said in an interview they want Sullivan Barrera for December on the Joshua undercard. That's a huge step up. And if Barrera has got the bite and he's coming to win, that's a fight he can win. That is a fight he can win, Barrera, big time, off the back of what we saw from Buatzi. Don't get me wrong, the finish was very impressive. And I think um, I think Kalich ended up, he might have come up with a broken jaw. But maybe is it time just to slow it down a little bit? 
Um, I've been critical of the matchmaking before, and, and I like the Liam Conroy fight. Get, get him a win, get him that British title, but then have a couple of defences. There's enough quality around, you know, like your Jose Burton's, your Dex Spellman's. You know, th- there's this obsession, you know, with rushing them through to world titles, but why? I- I'm a big believer of using the traditional route. I've said it all the time. Area, English, Commonwealth, British, European. And those fighters that take that route are well-built, well-schooled, and usually gone to world level. Warrington being a prime example. Carl Frampton operated around a similar um, a similar level as well, you know, taking the right matches. Josh Taylor, but differently, matched well, you know, uh, fighting the likes of Miguel Vasquez, people like that. Um, it's... It's an interesting situation with Buatzi. Has to remain active. Has to. This guy cannot be fighting twice a year. He needs to be fighting three, four times a year. And you can get away with, you know, lesser matches of sorts when he is active. When he's been out the ring for 12 months and then they're bringing him back against the likes of Kalich, then he has another six to eight months out and then it's another opponent. It's frustrating and people are just disinterested in him. And he's got all the tools to go all the way. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him in December. I hope they can get him out there um, on that undercard. And I hope they can get him, you know, keep him active because I like the guy. There's a lot to like about him. And he's certainly got a lot of talent as well. Andy, I'm not necessarily saying this is the case with Boatsy, but I think regarding Oddie's, uh, Oz, Aussie, sorry, uh, British Commonwealth European route and all that, I think that a lot of them nowadays try to game the system. They think if they can get them through certain level, get a few impressive wins, win an interim or one of these intercontinental type of belts, get them up and sort of cash them out at world level, they might sort of sink, you know, sink or swim or yeah. hit, hit strike lucky. Whereas if they put them the proper route, they end up fighting proper people on a regular basis. There's a chance they could get two or three losses. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, we bring up the old school guys like see Clinton Woods. Look at Maxi Hughes. It goes to show if you build solid foundations, then fighters will get there in the end. But too many of them are trying to game the system and sort of jump over those those hoops too quickly. A path of least resistance, really. That's what it is. I mean, just on the, on the rankings itself. I mean, Blatsy's now ranked two with WBA, and you know, also he's mentioned like Sullivan Barrera there. I agree, but at the same time, you've got Barrera who's thirty-eight, fought twice, sorry, three times in the last two, three years. And he's went one and two in those fights. You know, Jesse Hart beat him widely on point. So this is Hart still in the game. You know, I just mentioned a fight there last night. Actually, maybe Eddie might not target that fight between Krasniki. You know, you know, Bosell's about to fall down the rankings. Krasniki's about to go number one in the division now. So that might be a fight that Eddie might look at as well uh, to get made. But um, what I will say is this, you know, I was, you know, I'm the same as Ozzy. I'm still a fan of the guy and stuff, but I can see now why... There's been this hold up or you know holding him back and stuff because he was static as fuck when uh, Kalitz came right at him and started throwing punches. It's like what the fuck's going on here? He just basically stood there, hands up, and just tried to kind of like parry or block shots that was coming at him with a high guard. I'm saying to myself, if that is like a killer like Baterbev or maybe like say a Pascal or Joe Smith Jr., maybe even Badu Jack and stuff like, you are not going to stand there your fucking hands up and just like parrying shots or trying to parry shots not because these guys will basically you can imagine Kovalev uh, walking toward him and you're just standing there with your hands up and stuff you know he needs to work on on, on the defence that that said you know he, he dug in um, he, he had a bit of adversity he was swelling up a wee bit and stuff but uh, when he let his hands go he does he looks good he really does look good but I can see now why as I say you know, they've been holding him back he needs a lot of work but as, as I agree with Ozzy that's what he needs to be more active 
you know, 27, 28 year old now, you know, he's no getting any younger, he's no probably going to get any better either, as, either unless he's going to be fighting more actively, but you know, he's got himself high up the rankings, so why take that risk? As you say, get a world title fight, get a, what, X amount of million, million, million or two, two million quid or that, I don't know, and then retire, and I mean, the guy's got his, his education to fall back on, he could, you know, use his degree for something, I, I, I don't know what for, mind you, but you know, he could go ahead and do that, but Boatsy clearly still a work in progress, and I'm not hating the guy, I, I, I like him as a fighter and that, but defensively, he needs to get that, that sorted, because his killers in that division will basically walk through him, unless he can actually, you know, land a bingo shot and that, that was a bit concerning for me, actually, just seeing him kind of, like, get tagged, and as I say, I, I wrote Kalich off purely because, you know, these these uh, guys in their mid-30s and that, who have got a lengthy amateur career, I mean, we've seen it with Domenico Valentino, the week previously, when you know he, he turned pro late in uh, late in life, th- like 33, 34, yeah, good he, point. And, he, and he got iced off a off a journeyman, a club fighter, for a for a belt or a bobble. I think it was maybe the European title actually. So you know, I get kind of wary about these guys turning over, you know, pro late, where they've got decent amateur experience, world series of boxing experience and stuff. Uh, and you can see it pretty early doors and that. So I, I underestimated them, and that is that is my mistake. But um. I was I was I was actually surprised as to how quick he fell apart actually as well considering how well he was doing. I would love to have seen that go the distance just to see how the cards would have kind of worked out. He looked like the classic. I'll come over and have a go for six or seven rounds, and he looked at the corner and as if to say, "Right, this is it now. Throw the tail in as we agreed." Yeah. Uh, you know, it looked like that. It looked like that. Maybe I don't know if it was an injury. Maybe the eye went. I'm not too sure. But he says he, he folded or, or collapsed pretty quick, and I was a wee bit disappointed with that because he, he did he did really well. Uh, just pushing Buatsi lap, marking them up, and just asking questions. And it says that, that you know we we got answers to those questions last week. That he still got to work on on a few things, but he, he can't be doing that. But getting held back, fighting trash like this, you know, it's time now for a step up. And I says if Sullivan Barrera or Robin Krasnicki's next, that is that would be a good good yardstick. Krasnicki or veteran pulled it out of the fire there last night. Barrera, I, I would maybe question that fight because, uh, as I say, he's, he's, maybe his heart's not in it anymore. He's late 30, what, 38, 39? Cuban as well. She so just don't know how he's going to turn up and fight. But um, now you, you take anybody for the top 10 in any of those ranking and bodies, that, they're going to give Boatsy some problems at the minute and that. So uh, back to the drawing board. But um, they need to step up the class a wee bit better now. Just on a light heavyweight theme, quickly, Andy, before we move on, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I'm hearing on the old grapevine that Dimitri Bivol might be set to fight Gilberto Ramirez. Oh, my God. Prozac's just found a, a, a cure for depression, by the way. Jesus. That is, is he going to save the zone, this? Oh, is that on the zone, that one, is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm only guessing. Ramirez, he left top rank, right? He left top rank, you see, and he's a free oh, operator. Yeah. He, he reckons he should have been getting paid more. Well, you know, he's 40 and 0, isn't he? At the end of the day, all these great wins he's had against the likes of Max Bursak, and then you've go. got Bivol as well. So it seems to me a natural home would be disowned for the two of them. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, get it on. I suppose it's uh, it's too. It's, I suppose it's two top names in the division that maybe kind of clears the pathway a wee bit in that as well. But I'm not, that's not a fight I'm really interested in. I'm, I'm interested in, like, see, a Baterbev. Um, you know, Bivol, as I say, is you know, the fact that you talk about the Aussies mentioned Sullivan Barrera. I'm sure the Bivol no stopped Barrera as well. Yes, he did in the 12th. That, that was an excellent performance from Bivol. He outboxed him, worn him down, and then stopped him in the last round. Stopped I think. In the last round, I'm sure. Mm. Aye, that's right. Um, yeah, um, I say there, there is fights to be made. You know, Joe Smith, for example, uh, is waiting for the Salomon Vlasov winner and stuff. Uh, you know, any of those two fighters, I wouldn't even fancy putting Bivol in me just now. <clears throat> I know Blake Capoleros 
ranked behind Boatsy in the WBA I rankings. Mean, there was talk about that fight happening. I, 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 you know, I was just going to say then, that fight was made. Yeah. Boatsy Capoeiro was made and then it's just disappeared. But that would be a perfect fight, for example, in, in December. Yep. Get him back out, bring Capoeiro over. Why, why not? You, you know, you can talk around it, but, but it's it's a level that, you know, again, may ask a few questions. He may come back and absolutely destroy Capoeiro, but that's fine. But th that that's a fight that, you know, what, what where is he in the rankings? Four, five, Capoeiro type of thing. Yep. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight again, uh, particularly, you know, it, like I said, if Buatsi then comes back out in December, fights him, and then gets a fight nailed down in, what, December? February, something like that, you're starting to build momentum against the likes of that, but then you're becoming a lot, like I said, you're becoming active, you're not getting that ring rust, and you're beating, you know, solid competitors, which will only improve him. I wonder if I may target the, the winners between Richards and uh, Pitters for the British, maybe sometime in January, February time, as you mentioned those. That'd be interesting, that. The pitters would be a decent pitters. I like pitters, you know. I like him. Yeah, yeah. pitters would ask fuck me. Why is he six foot five? He'd ask some questions about Atsi. He's got a chin as well, and he can, he can clearly punch. That'd be an interesting contest. That Re really interesting. Um, I I'd love to see the yard. Well, I say yard fight. The winner of Lyndon Arthur against Anthony Yard against Buatsi. But I just feel like that it's going to be one of them. We'll let it. We'll let it get to a world. It's got to be for a world title, and it may never get there. Um, but that that'd be another good. There's a lot of domestic fights, which makes sense. Um, I just don't know if they want to take that risk, Andy. As you said, being ranked three with the WBA now, why would they? Anything else, Andy? Before we move on. Uh, nothing, mate. No, as I say, it's just uh, we're up in class. That's all we need. Um, and I think that's you know that fight would be ideal for him, considering you know the names we mentioned that like Barrera, Chris Nikki, outside that, I wouldn't fancy him against any of the top the top names. Boatsy, um, not the minute anyway. Clearly, still a massive work in progress. Absolutely. Uh, fighting next week, Aussie Sunday. No, uh, Sunday boxing is the new Saturday boxing. Sunday, October the eighteenth. Um, as far as I know, this is still on anyway. Jay Harris is supposed to be fighting, defending his Commonwealth flyweight title against Marcel Braithwaite. Off the top of my head, I think we might have seen Braithwaite fighting against oh, Sonny Edwards yeah. at some point. Yes. Michael McKinson as well. Oz eighteen and zero going in against thirteen and zero. Martin Harkin. Paul Butler's on the on the sheet, but I think that fight against Ryan Walker might actually be off. You've also got Jordan Reynolds, former friend of the pod, making his debut. Yeah. Paul McCulloch, uh, a hot prospect in Belfast, making his light heavyweight debut. And Jack Rafferty, who's got to 12-0 without me being even aware of his existence. Anything on this that excites you at all? Uh, a fairly solid MTK card. Again, shame about Butler Walker falling through, but Paul Butler's better than the likes of Ryan Walker. I mean, what a career again. It's just fallen away, hasn't it? You know, Left for Pastors New, you know, leaving Frank Warren after getting, you know, world titles. And it's just kind of done nothing. Got an, an undeserved shot against, was it Rodriguez and got bashed? Was it Rodriguez? Um, and he got dropped heavily in the first. And then, yeah, Manuel Rodriguez a couple of years ago. And it's just done nothing since. Um, McKinson's good, just likes a bit of power, but a decent welterweight. I'd like to see him fight Conor Ben. Um Jenkins, Echo Esserman, people like that. The, the main event, I would, I'd really fancy um, Harris to beat Marcel Braithwaite. Um, 
I think he'll do it in imp impressive fashion. I like Jay Harris. Um, and what, do you know what I like about this as well? He's coming off the back of a world title defeat um, against, oh, fucking, what's the Mexican called? Uh, Martinez. Martinez, yeah. And we'll look, look at the level he's come back down to. None of this, I'm above that, I'm above that. He's took a fight, he's took an opportunity against a solid Commonwealth opponent. Yeah, he, he may be levels above. He might stop Braithwaite. I don't think he will. I think he'll just win on points. But good on him for, you know, be willing to drop back down to then start building back up. Uh, but the rest of the card, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Um, Rafferty's a talent, Steve. You should watch him. You should watch him. He, he, he's a talent. I, I like him. Well to wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take a look at him. Uh, John Evans is very, very high on him. Uh, and he'll, he'll be able to give you some more details about him, his style and his qualities. But yeah, it, it was John who flagged him at first. And I'm very, very... Uh, he's, he's one to watch, is the best way to say it. I don't know if you touched on McKinson, but I, I was thinking to myself, Michael McKinson, he has sort of Belfast connections, even though he's from Portsmouth. <laughs> him against Lewis Crocker could be a decent fight, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think he's Crocker with MTK as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, so look, they don't hesitate in matching their own guys, so why not? Let, let's see that. Um, I think he's fairly highly ranked in the, what's it called, in the rankings, uh, British rankings to say the least. But some decent, look, there's some decent 147 fights around, isn't there? Um, upon McKinson, Jenkins, Ben, Crocker, Essam and Congo, Luther Clay, Liam Taylor... Uh, even Tyrell Nurse, you know, is still, you know, a solid domestic operator. So Darren Tetley as well, a former friend of the pod. So lots to like at that domestic 147 British division. So fingers crossed those fights get made next year. Um, we can maybe talk about the situation because I know the British board are resuming purse bids next week. So I've got a bit of info on the Ben Jenkins purse bid, which should be taking place next week. But we can talk about that after. Andy, moving on to you, Ricky Gravel. As I mentioned earlier, my phone got broke, so I've got a few questions, Belly of the Week, so that got sent in on the old phone that I haven't got around to. Anyway, Ricky Gravel sent something in, Andy. I thought you might be interested in this. We've all, we're all wondering where Billy Joe Saunders had got to. If you remember, he was supposed to fight Martin Murray many times back in the day. The fight kept falling on through. Ricky Gravel said Hearn is on about getting Martin Murray as an opponent again for Billy Joe Saunders in November. I'd literally rather watch my mother get fucked by a pack of wild boars than sit through that, says Ricky. Gravel, but what do you think about that statement? Um, it must hate his mother. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I take the point. Martin Murray, I mean, when was the last time he fought? I should just out interest. I mean, did you have an eight rounder? Was it I last thought he retired to be honest? Yeah, so did I. Um, I mean, sure, look, so under, I, I don't even know what division Saunders is ranked in these days, to be honest with you, uh, nor do I care because you know, in the day, he's 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 swapping trainers more times than you know. My dad used to go vice swap and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, what is it? I mean, it's a rush shaker, it's all it is, but surely Christ, they can do something better than that. If Eddie's want to put a fight on that's going to, like, maybe, I don't know, I know he's got a few pay per view cards and that kind of lined up, maybe surely Smith against Saunders is going to be the, the, the fight to get made. Surely Christ, I mean, what is Smith doing these days? We never hear high in their telium. You know, Saunders is he's he's mere kind of prone to kind of making outbursts and comments and that about lockdowns and you know stuff about all that type of stuff and that. But you know, 
is it about money? Is he no fighting unless he says, look, listen, I, I, I know he pulled out of fights not because he was saying he was isolating because he's he's elderly grandparents and stuff like that. Look, that's fair enough. But um, we're kind of past the worst date. I'll be kind of saying that. But as I say, you've you got to get fighting now, surely. Look, you've got a belt as such. Get in the ring, fight somebody. I mean, what's wrong with, like, say, maybe, you know, you're with Eddie. Why not make a fight with Danny Jacobs, for example? I know he's got something lined up, actually, unfortunately. But Zach Parker, you know, Lemieux, like, Lemieux had a fight there last night. He won that. Get a rematch with him if you want. Um, you know, something just, just fight. Just anybody. Honestly, but you know, surely you're gonna fight something better than Martin Murray. Surely. You've missed the big, the big name, Andy. And that's John Ryder. So I spoke with John, and he told me that he has, he basically had a meeting with uh, Eduardo, and said that he would take the same money as, um. Martin Murray and Rocky Fielding, who were two opponents, uh, to fight Billy Joel Saunders. And Saunders wanted nothing to do with it. He said he basically wants to fight the likes of either Martin Murray or Rocky Fielding, which just summed him up, in my opinion. Um, Ryder would be an excellent fight for Saunders. And I think it's a fight that, well, basically, it's a fight he could get beaten. Because, again, what has he done? He has bloomed up. Um, uh, and he is, he's just an irrelevant fighter. He's so frustrating because he's got bags of ability again. It's just annoying. It's just so annoying with him that, again, he met a merry-go-round of trainers. He's now with Mark Tibbs. You know, but basically, coming back to where he started, because he started yeah. with Jimmy Tibbs I mean, and Mark involved. I always felt Ingle was a great fit for him. That didn't work. That's clearly not worked. He went back to Ben Davidson. That's not worked. So he's now back with Mark Tibbs. But the fact maybe the Ryan... problems with Saunders. Do you think? Well, it is, yeah, big time. Yeah, the, the problem is with Saunders, and I, I just don't think he cares. To be honest, I just don't think he cares. It says it all that Ryder was willing to take. Um, you know, Ryder was willing to take basically lower cash from what you know, like Murray and. Um, fielding we're, we're going to take you know for like for Ryder who's you know like name is fairly you know like well known at the moment he said I'll look out at lower dough to get that opportunity and Saunders wants nothing to do with it so what can you uh what what can you do what can you do it's it's just so annoying um and again fuck me what does it do for you gets announced next week yeah Billy Joe Saunders against Martin Murray fuck me wow wow yeah, I think as well. I mean, John, John's no, John's no fought since November, too, since mm. the Callum Smith fight and stuff. You know, was that November? November, I. Yeah, and and he's lucky. He's chomping at the bit to get out. He wants opportunities. Keeps getting told all sorts of names, but nothing's been produced for him. And he's soon to be become the forgotten man, isn't he? You know, like who needs him basically? Who wants yeah, him? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because Went he presents an opportunity. High risk, high risk, sorry, low reward. Because we all say that as well. Since I've moved up to, to 168, and that, like, he's like Lee Williams at 160, and that absolutely rejuvenated. Yeah. We all said that. The Saunders, who just basically like molasses at 168, really want to be handling that. Because if you remember back to the British title fight between the two of them, and that, you know, it was a close run affair. You know, it was tight in the cards. Mm. It was, okay, yeah, Andy, let's it move. Was, oh, it was. Sorry, sorry. go ahead. Yeah. No, I was saying, you were saying about Ryder Saunders on the cards. Is that what you mm. said, Andy? Yeah. But yeah, the first I, 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 always, I always said that Ryder gave Billy Joe one of his toughest fights. 
Um, it was it was close on the cards that. Um, and again, I think Ryder Luck is in the form of his life. Billy Joe's bloomed up, um, training to make weight rather than, you know, like training to, to box. And it just takes it out of you too much. It, it really does. Andy, we shall go uh, back to Friday evening. Quick one from you here in the bubble, MGM Grand. Uh, Emmanuel Navarrete defending... No, going for the vacant WBO World Featherweight title against Ruben Villa. I thought Villa might do big things last week. He got dropped in the first round by a looping lead left uppercut. In between the patches of Navarrete uh, hitting him hard and often, Villa actually boxed pretty well. I mean, he was quite sharp. Yeah. Nifty little southpaw, good head movement. He just kept on getting caught at the wrong times. And Navarrete, I thought, was a worthy winner. Uh, shout out as well to Janibek Alim Kanuli on the undercard. He's up to the top five of the WBO already, which isn't yeah. saying much sometimes. But he got a knockout win. He's 8-0. Another one of these Uzbek-Kazakh type of guys to look out for. But as for Navarrete, he's going to be a handful for anybody because of his size and activity, I think. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's just got that way of fighting. Actually, I mean, I think one of the knockouts was a kind of really unorthodox uppercut as such, or a kind of left hook that dropped the via for the first knock, not either a first or second knockdown. I think it was. He is going to be a tough fight for anybody in that, but um, it'll just be it's just a shame for Via actually because it says he was getting marked up badly, he was getting caught and stuff just because of the you know the long reaching average and that. But he did have good pockets of success, you know, good jab. If he just stuck to the one-two and moved out of distance, that he might have knows got his tagged as much and stuff. But uh, he made a good fight, actually. Just a pity he's just not got that punching power. Never, as I say, he's, he's a long, long dude for the weight. And I mean, how he made one twenty-two, it's, it's incredible. But um, it will just be interesting to see what he does now, actually, because considering that he's he's reign at one twenty-two wasn't exactly you know tremendous and stuff. Well, imagine it's going to be the same along the lines of this one as well when he, pick, when he picks up his belt. And that. I mean, he's got Magdaleno, Ryan Walsh. Mary Agus all kicking about the, that division as well, and so is Kid Galahad and that. So the, the pickings aren't exactly great for him to look good in. But uh, he done he done the job anyway. Um, I thought he struggled at times, especially with the jab and that. But um, in the end, he got the job done. I thought he won it. Um, I think some people said that it was uh, apart from the knockdowns and that it was uh, pretty much Via's fight. Look, Via made a good fight. Yeah, I just thought Navarrete just like you know better. You know, the punching power, shall I say. Heavier off. shots, wasn't yeah. it, I thought? Heavier shots, the two knockdowns, really, for me, just made it a kind of like one, uh, kind of like 116, one, I guess it was 116, 110, I think I had it yeah. for, for Navarrete, yeah. I think it was. That's fair enough, actually. Yeah, if Veer could punch, he'd be a lot more dangerous proposition down at the weights. Uh, you are listening to episode 394, Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Andy Patterson is here, so is Ozzy Smith waiting for rapping Rob Kelly. Coming up to Lomachenko Lopez shortly. Shame none of the Yanks have jumped on with us on a big preview. Or jo- and anybody else, in fact, these are the big weekends that we look forward to having the boys on with us. Let's throw a shout out to some of the Patreon subscribers. Uh, I'll just put this up on the screen for you to have a look through, Andy, regarding Tim's view. It came in from Connor Brennan, just while I call out... Uh, the Patreon lads, shout out to Graham Taylor, Jeff Conway, George Barry, Craig Jevons, Don McNamara, John Kearns, Nathan Shaw, Joe Ringer, James Addy, Ant, Marco Barrera, Marty G, James Monaghan's Economics, Emmett O'Keefe, Thomas Byrne, and our new member this week, Mr. JS Ledbetter, has joined us as well. Welcome to you, Mr. Ledbetter. Yeah, um, Connor, I think he's based down under, Andy. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's keeping an eye on Tim Sue anyway. He said he's at it again now on the sports shows. He believes he's been calling out. He's unimpressed with the likes of Charlo. They were talking about getting Texera over to Australia, but obviously Texera, I believe, is fighting Brian Castaño yeah. next. Perilous stuff from our guy. My other question still rings through, uh, true, though. Word has is he's going to fight Zarafa next in a tick-over. Well, I've heard different, Andy. Apparently, Sue is going to be putting in against a guy 
guy from New Zealand. I think he's like 21 and one called Bowen Morgan. He's like mm. an IBO champion or something. So, I mean, he's that young, Sue. He doesn't need to be rushed. So if they're going to make a big sort of Australia-New Zealand battle, maybe put him in against the Zarafa, get that experience. Now's the time to do it. Is there, is there a major rush with Sue? Um, no, at this point, I mean, as I say, is, uh, I, I, what I knew about it, I, I thought he was, uh, I heard the Zarafa word as well, that he was a potential opponent for him and that as well. And at the time when, they, when he beat, Jeff Horn and stuff, but the WBO was still to decide whether Castaño and Texera was going to happen because I think Oscar was talking about potential. They, they wanted to try and do it with fans. And then when they found out that uh, the Aussies or, uh, were having fans back in the stadium and that, they were happy for Texera to go over there and defend against Zoo. Ah. And then the, the WBO stepped in and says, no, look, you must fight Castaño. So that fight's been mandated. They must go ahead. So end of the day, look, Zoo's, what is he now? 15, 16 and all? I don't know. Mm-hmm. 25, 26 year old. Um, again, still a wee bit like Boatsy, a wee bit kind of learning still, still to be done in that. But everything, you know, everything looks good about him. You know, good job. He was very patient against Jeff Horn, for example. Picked his shots well. It could have really turned into an absolute ugly fight against Jeff Horn. Just you know, just, just how he fights. But I, I thought Zoo unpicked a lot pretty well and beat him down and stuff. So it was a really impressive performance in that regard. Um, look, light middleweight, as I say, is you've got a clear. Uh, champion at the weight at this point and that is Charlo there is some good names and stuff look, as you say look, there's there's no rush to, uh, to, for him to kind of like get these fights and stuff at this point does he beat Charlo probably no not at this point but I would put him in like so you can Jack Kalkai I think that would be a really good test from Kalkai yeah, coming off that bro mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, one uh, to kind of uh, really dig in for that one um, you know, we mentioned uh, Liam Smith for example um, as well Um who else you got? I mean, we'll forget Brooke. I know Brooke's at 154 and that, but he's he's absolutely washed. I don't even want to hear that name anymore. Uh, Kurbanov, um, I don't know if that's undefeated. I know there's two uh, Kurbanovs out of Russia, and I don't know if that's undefeated one. Uh, Fandora, the big massive fucking town, Inferno, 6'10", mm. 154 fighter and that. Mm, I, think, I, think, I think Zoo could have his way with him. I think there's a lot of body for him to target there. Um, James Metcalf, Ted Cheeseman, Metcalf He's, was supposed to fight last night, wasn't he? And then the opponents all kept pulling out. Yeah, I believe so. Um, no, they, they didn't just pull out. The the uh, two of the camp members tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, sorry, that's that's what I meant. Apologies, yeah. Yeah, so fucking killer in it. It was probably fighting and hype that as well. Kakachi's yeah. supposed to be on as well. Well, yeah. Well, we know about Kakachi, don't we? Um, I know, but oh, going back no. a few weeks, it wasn't yes. such a bad card. Yes, I know, yeah, yeah. These things happen though, don't they? One one final name I might be throwing there for Tim Zoo would probably be uh, Carlos Adams. Um, he went a distance with Texera. He has a fight. Is it him or is it Subriel Matias? I'm maybe getting them mixed up. I think what one of them two has a fight coming up soon, actually, I think. Right, right. So as I say, there's no rush now, but at the end of the day, I, th- I think that... I think for Zoo to get himself out of Australia and that, he's, earned, he's probably earning big, big money or decent money in Australia. So I don't think we're going to see him abroad until there's a world title on the line, which would probably be a Charlo fight at some point. But there are some names, no names as such, but there's some decent opposition he could fight at 154 and that. Look, the regional stuff, I get it. I get it because we, we, we say it with, with, with the British cars and that. Was, look, it's going to be easier to make an all domestic fight at the minute. And it, run, it reduces the risk of a fighter having to come in quarantine for two weeks and stuff, and they're running the risk of him getting, you know, potent positive unless it's a big show and they've got money coming in. And, you know, for example, Pavetkin White, for example, you know. But 
yeah, there's no rush, absolutely no rush for him. But um, I think at some point we'll uh, we'll see him step up to world world level, maybe in the next year, I would think. Oh, there we are. Nathan says Matias is fighting Malik Hawkins. That's right, yeah. I knew, I knew one of them was. Not Adama's then, so maybe he could be uh, still in the running. Uh, Ozzy, I have a question coming for you from Rio Tonka. It actually touches upon, here it is on the screen, it touches upon stuff we were talking about there, so you can jump in or or not as you see fit. He says, do you reckon Eddie Hearn has screwed over Smith and Billy Joe Saunders by giving White their pay-per-view date for his, for his rematch? Hearn guaranteed they would fight each other if neither got the Canelo fight, and if one did the other would fight uh, Jacobs or Andrade. I think Jacobs is maybe fighting Andrade, you know, um, Rosado with a view to fighting Andrade or something. Anyway, Rio Tonka goes on. He's given two pay-per-view dates to White after he got knocked out, which he should have given to Billy Joe Saunders and Smith. They should both be fuming with him. He's rewarding and prioritising White after getting KO'd and leaving the other two in the shitter. Uh, Callum Smith won't fight Billy Joe Saunders this year um, because he wants money, wants cash. And the cash isn't there because of all the cuts. Uh, Saunders, ah, what I will give him credit for is he's gone on the what's it called? Um, he's willing to fight on free to air, which he's not a pay per view star anyway. But he's on free to air. But he's getting out there. Smith can can't give a fuck. But yeah, I think he has scuppered plans. Let's have it right. Dillian White was expected to be Alexander Povetkin, and White wouldn't have boxed again this year. They have to get that rematch activated straight away in any hope that the WBC will award White his number one spot back and his mandatory. I don't see that happening anyway. But yeah, um, I, I think there is a lot of frustration behind the scenes, but certain boxers are to blame when, look, purses are clearly coming down due to all the circumstances. And if you're not willing to take a pay cut, you're not going to fight, have you? You're not, you're not going to fight. It's as simple as that. I see a I seen a comment yesterday about the the Wilder uh, Fury third fight potentially expiring so? expiring. Oh, yeah. but, so but the Wilder then came out and says no, we still want the fight. But I don't know if it's true. I know that the the clause expired and that because of injuries and stuff. But it'll be hopefully that is the case, like because we need to free up some, mm. you know, some fighters here. You know, I think I think that's going to happen. Well, I, th- I think they've come out and basically said that that this clause existed. Um, needs to happen by what is it December and I think just solely because they can't get the gate there it needs to be full capacity so unless they go to Miami where the fucking they've been told by um, they've been told that like the Dolphins can have full capacity at their stadium which is like 65,000 they're only going to have like 13 um, unless they go somewhere where they can get the full gate and but Vegas is the one that draws in the cash and Ve- the Raiders are only just allowed to start bringing fans in now it's it's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of glad in a way. I'm kind of glad because, look, the re- no one wants to see the third fight. And if this means that after, if, if Fury will fight in December and we then, Joshua wins against Pulev, there should be absolutely nothing stopping Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury in the first quarter of 2021. There's no mandatories. There's no, you know, like no rematch clauses, nothing. And everything should be geared to making that fight. So if that means we, um, Wilder's fucked up, you know, and, and this clause is in there and it's expired, then I'm happy because it means that we get one step closer to seeing the fight I think everybody wants to see. 
Yes, everybody's looking forward to that one. If and when it happens, we're getting one step closer to the Lomachenko-Lopez preview as well. Rapping Rob Kelly's on the call. Coming to you shortly, Rob. I don't think Rob can hear us at the moment. He's maybe having some technical difficulties out there in the wilds. Maybe try and jump off, Rob, and jump back on again if you can't hear me, which obviously you wouldn't have just heard that either. Uh, Andy, just just while we're trying to get hold of Rob from the space station there. Uh, during the week, I know you didn't see this, but I have a couple of points to make to you about the showbox card. First of all, some banging first-round knockouts. Brandon Lee moving to 20-0, very, very young guy uh, against Jimmy Williams. These were the kind of rewiring jobs, as you mentioned. There were some heads flying into orbit, um, some real real heavy knockouts. Uh, Janilson, Figueroa, Boca Chica. That's some name, isn't it? 16 and 0. Now, after knocking out Nicholas Flaz in the first round as well. Again, an absolute banging knockout of that, that one. In the main event, though, Charles Conway, 12 and 0, going in against Wendy Toussaint, 12 and 0. Interesting thing for me, Andy, about Toussaint that I was looking at. He was really frustrating watching him. I know we're sort of armchair spastics and we're, we're, we're seeing things. And I was thinking, why isn't Toussaint using his, his height and reach and getting on the jab and letting the shots go? And the commentary team were saying this. He's, the corner were saying this to him. But he just, apart from 30 seconds here and there, here and there, he wasn't able to execute the game plan whatsoever. He wasn't able to let his shots go, even that was clearly the right strategy for him. And they said he was a regular sparring partner for Sergei Dervinchenko and Joe Smith Jr., even though this guy's a welterweight. So he's obviously tough, but the point is, Andy, is that there's such a thing as a sparring partner mentality. Toussaint looked to me like a sparring partner, like he was too content to coast, like he wasn't he wasn't doing the things that he was supposed to do because he was there to give better fighters work. What do, what do you think about that whole sparring partner mentality? Andy, I've floored you with that long introduction. Sorry, I was talking away. I was on mute there. <laughs> uh, so uh, so you, you, you get these fighters like, who look absolutely tremendous in the gym and, that, and you hear the stories coming out, oh, you see this guy sparring by the you know, big future and stuff. And then they happen, they go, they go under the lights and bang, just, they just freeze up and stuff. You know, maybe he's just, he's just, just that mentality, really, just you no know, got the, just you no know, got that mentality kind of step over the line and stuff and really kind of push it. But as I said, I've never seen the fight. Uh, so, but I did, I know you were saying during the week and that, that it was like, there was a four fight, so I ended knockouts and stuff. But again, as I said, I just, I just think it's just about um, just doing the mentality at the end of the day. We were talking about Hopkins, Pascal last week there, and you know we'll come on there against Lomachenko and, and Lopez and stuff like that. But you know, boxing purely is ninety percent mental, and um, if you look at the mentality to be a to be a fighter and that, and you're just happy to be a spartan. I mean, look, look at Kevin Johnson, you know, for example. I, mean, I hate to bring him up sometimes, safety pin, but you know when when he decides to go and have a go. They can put it all together, but there's too many times he just wants to sit on the ropes and just parry up, you know, cover up and stuff, and just take shots, get a payday, move on, move on to the next one. But um, yeah, it was just, uh, just unfortunate. Another thing I was going to say, and it's a bit of a moot point, really. not a moot point, a bit of a moot point, really, because of the way Conwell finished the fight. But for so long, uh, I'll come back to you, Andy, because Rob hasn't jumped on with us. But um, for so long, Conwell was going through the motions a little bit, not really doing the things again that his corner was asking him to do. And I, and I thought, obviously, we've got to cut Conwell some slack. He was an excellent amateur. But, of course, he, almost a year ago to the day, I think it was three days before, it was the 9th of October, it was on the 12th of October, 2019, he fought against Patrick Day. Infamously, obviously, Day fell into a coma four days later and died. So Conwell has obviously got that on his conscience. I wonder whether that's the tentative approach, the fact he was backing up and not able to do the things until the brutal nose-busting knockout maybe was playing on his mind. And it's not for me to say, Andy, but Conwell on his shorts had written or stitched and embroidered, and apparently this is going to be the same going forward now, Pat Day all day. Mm. Is it? 
is it maybe detrimental to him to have that stitched on? It's like a constant reminder, like a shadow over every performance. Like, like I mean, it's up to him at the end of the day, but could that be playing into his mindset? Obviously, I mean, it has to be in a, to a degree. I mean, I, I don't think he'll go through many days in his life when he doesn't think about what happened. Um, I know, I remember he wrote a letter uh, uh, to Patrick Day when he was in the hospital and stuff, uh, obviously the family and that, but yeah, I mean... As, but at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I can't really comment on such because I ain't been in a situation like I've never killed a guy fighting and stuff. But you just wonder, you know, man, you know that mentality and that maybe seen it with Eubank in the past. He, you know, he you know, pull his shots and stuff. I would say I've, I've not checked out the, the the stoppage and stuff. But Con Conwell was only what is he? He's only early twenties and that as well. Um, so again, it might just be it might just be that he's a bit sensitive to the situation and stuff and. Okay, he's maybe taking instruction for his corner. Well, you need to do this. You need to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, he's he's no one. To, he's probably no one to go in there and absolutely hurt someone. And that's who maybe wants to drop it to the body rather than go to headshots and stuff like. That. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how you know how he, he his approach was in that fight. You know, maybe you could tell me how he, you know how he fought and stuff as such. But it's going to play in his mind. Um, to say he's, he's maybe just want to take it easy as such. But in this game, he can't take it easy because. I hate to say it, but what happened to Patrick Day could easily happen to Cornwell if he takes it too easy. Um, so it's just hopefully that you know mentally at least he can he can put that to one side and continue his career, uh, no problems, and he can get through it. Look, again, I understand he's, he's he's probably kind of contacting the family and that as well. It's clearly had an emotional effect on him if he's writing letters about the situation to the family when the guy's fighting for his life in the hospital at that time and stuff. So yeah, we'll wait and see how it goes. Absolutely good luck to Cornwall going forward. Definitely a talent. If he can get through those mental demons, he'll be a hell of a fighter. A couple of notes for next week. Not going to dwell on these at all. I'm going to come to Ozzy on Lewis Ritson shortly as we try and get rapping Rob Kelly back on the call as quickly as we can. Evgen Kaitrov going in against Vaughan Alexander, Devon Alexander's brother, next Friday evening on the 16th of October. That's on CBS Sports Network. Also, Brian Norman Jr. been keeping an eye on him. He might turn out to be the next Duke Micah, another one of my L predictions uh, to do well. Brian Norman Jr., son of the esteemed Brian Norman Sr., 17-0, going in against Juan Rodriguez. That is on uh, nowhere. Florida State Athletic Boxing Commission, as far as I'm aware, nobody's televising that. Uh, Saturday the 17th, East of England Arena in Peterborough. Naturally, Eddie Hearn, Aussie, is putting on Lewis Ritson against Miguel Vasquez. Savannah Marshall going in against Hannah Rankin. Kaiz Ashfak against Mark Leach. Thomas Patrick Ward. 29 and 0, Thomas Patrick Ward. He's really talented. What I don't know why they put him in against this 11, 2 and 1, Jose Martin Estrada Garcia. I mean, maybe they're just trying to keep him tick over, I suppose. Ellie Scottney making a debut. Ryan Lawsey, some character. And uh, Cash Farouk. Any picks out of that card, Oz? Fucking Vasquez. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, Andy took the words out of my mouth. Um, it's a weird one for Ritson, isn't it? It's the name, isn't it? I guess, but. What weight does Vasquez carry now? I mean, fuck me. I'm not saying, look, he, he was jobbed against O'Hara Davis um, wrongly, but then got beat out in, I think he boxed, I think, um, was it, did he box out in Canada or something like that? Um, so, and he lost there. Look, he, he, he's passed his best, to say the least. Uh, certainly think he can ask, to be fair, I think he can ask questions of Ritson. And we've seen that Ritson, you know, he's not this unstoppable machine. And Patera made, you know, bust him up, to be honest. But just don't think Vasquez has got all of that. But could make him, you know, like, I think, I certainly think he'll win rounds. 
that's uh, th this is the issue with women's boxing. H Hannah Rankin has lost four fights. Nothing wrong with that, but every time she steps up, she gets beat, and it's now chucked into fight for a vacant world title. Savannah Marshall, previously on this card earlier in the year, was going to fight at light heavyweight to get a world title opportunity. So I know she's down at middleweight. So it's again in it's another world title, but how legit is it? Um, Kai's Ash fight, Mark Leach, is probably the best fight on the card. This would be a good dust up. Leach has been, you know, been clamoring for a huge fight and, you know, like a big opportunity, and he's got it. At Ward, I mean, yeah, bags of talent, highly ranked in the, the world rankings, but again, 29 and 0, but he's not really boxed, you know, a lot of quality. And he's built a record, you know, but like this guy, this Jose Martin Estrada Garcia, 11 to 1. Where the fuck are they plucking him from? Is it like a favour to Vasquez or something like that? That Joe Laws is just, uh, you know, it's like a bit of a bit of a cartoon character in me. He keeps calling out Devin Haney. Fucking Devin Haney will obliterate him, so we definitely don't want to see that. Uh, Scott Lee against Connolly, know nothing about that. Um, and Cash Farouk, just disappointing. Yeah, I was going to ask, any opponent for him yet, mate? Have you heard anything nothing, for him? Nothing. Fuck me, Cash Farouk as well. I like him, mate. Fucking bags of talent. New signing. You're going into fight week and he's not got an opponent. Fuck me, why not? Why have we not got him an opponent? It's a joke. It's a joke. I, I was asking Ben, yeah. I mean, what, what bantamweights has Eddie got? Because at the end of the day, if he thinks he's going to drag Cash up to super bantamweight, he's on the plums. Cash is a legit, fully-fledged bantamweight, and that's where he belongs mm. and where he should be fighting for the rest of his career unless he gets naturally growth. I mean, he's only 20, 23, 24, I think. What about that Ryan Walker? Wasn't he supposed to fight Butler? Maybe they could, he would have been in camp, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, but I thought it was Walker who pulled out the Butler fight. Oh, right, maybe it was, I don't know. Could, could be, but this is what I mean, though, fuck me. You're telling me you can't find somebody who you know, like, and it's not as difficult now, you know, to find opportunity, you know, to get fighters into the country, you know, to get a bantamweight or something like that, and you, you're not getting an opponent, fucking hell. Like, Farouk's a talented fighter, really talented fighter. There's certainly enough fighters available. That they could have earned. Mark Leach. Mark Leach has gone up to Super Bantamweight to fight Kai's Ashvac. Why not chuck Mark Leach in with Cash Farouk? You know, what? <laughs> why not? That that makes complete sense. Who's Mark Leach fought before I recognise that name? Um he was the English champion at Bantamweight. Uh Steve Wood managed. Um I, I couldn't tell you who he's last boxed. Um, solid operator went out to Zimbabwe, I think, and got jobbed on the cards. It was horrendous. Managed to catch oh, yeah, he fought Tapiwa Tembo in the International yeah, Convention yeah. Center, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's one of them, so yeah, but it's just I hope this isn't the start of a cash for it where he signs with you know a promoter and then just gets messed around and is chucked in with trash because he's a lot better than that. Fuck me, he beat Lee McGregor and was just jobbed on the cards. Uh, anything from you, Andy, before we go on to the big Loma jobby? Uh, well, um, yeah, I, I just, I'll just force it what, uh, what Ozzy says and stuff. You know, Vasquez has seen better days. He might you know, ask questions or some sort of written and that, but in the day, Vasquez is, is a lightweight. He's, I don't know what he must be in his late 30s now. 
Um, Cash Asfak, I'll have a wee look at him as well. And uh, obviously my man, Cash Farouk. Um, I agree with everything Ozzy just said there. I was asking Ben uh, if he'd heard anything as well about a potential opponent for him and he's heard nothing. So it's a disappointment because that you know Cash has come up the proper way. Uh, he came up the um, Scottish area champion, British uh, champion, defended it. He outrated, uh, defended it and became champion and stuff. Did it off... Um, you know the big shows um, managed to get some coverage on on the small hall BBC Scotland shows and stuff like that on like say for example at the Radisson Blue which would have been also St Andrews Sporting Club dinner shows and stuff like that they done by Tommy Gilmore's sons and stuff so you know that type of thing so he was getting exposure and that and then when when the Lee McGregor fight got made that was the most called upon fight in Scotland uh, at that point and stuff and they get it made it was I was so surprised in that as well um, and then also as well to get it put on I think it was actually even on um, I think it may have been on Channel 5, actually. I can't remember off the top of my head and that, but it was uh, it was great to get that fight made. And it's just unfortunate now that Cash is signed with Eddie. I think, um, I honestly believe he'd have been better off signing with Frank, and people will fucking laugh at that. I know they will, but Eddie seems to sign these fighters. And, you know, unless they actually are names who draw in big numbers of money and stuff like that, he doesn't really do much with them. Unless and, they're pay-per-view women yeah. or YouTubers. Yeah, exactly. Or heavyweights, you know, who can maybe challenge Joshua in China, for example, you know. We need a we need a transgender YouTuber on pay-per-view <laughs> next just to complete the, the holy trinity. <laughs> you fucking sign the Kardashians just for the banter, you know. <laughs> they can't fight out in the front of their mansion, for example. No, but hopefully Cash gets, you know, he'll get a rush shaker, I suppose, but hopefully he then gets, he gets another chance for fighting for the British. We obviously, I mean, the Lee McGregor fight would be obviously the one you want to see next. It was very close. I thought Cash won it. But uh, Lee is having to use a dietitian to try and make weight these days for 118 and stuff. I think he's going to stay. I think he's got a, a shot at European next. I think Oz, I think maybe right in saying that. But um, hopefully he can maybe kind of stay at the weight as well. But I want to see a rematch at some point. But Lee's going to have to go up to Super Bantam weight very, very soon, I think. Any confirmation on Ozzy before we move on? Or yeah, should we move on to Loma? Uh, yeah, I think he's right. I think uh, McGregor has got that. Uh, is it that? Is it against that Guerfi? Karim Guerfi? Yeah, good. Aye. Yeah, it has, yeah. Um, next month, about a month away. Um, so yeah, good fight that. Absolutely. Talking of good fights, Vasily Lomachenko going in against Teofimo Lopez. Not on pay-per-view, as Bob Arum says. Not going to give Bob too much of a pat on the back. Same with Frank, with Dubois against Joyce. If, if they could get away with pay-per-view, then they certainly surely would do. When Rob, Happy Mob Kelly first jumped on the call, he couldn't hear me, so he reconnected, then he couldn't hear Andy. So he reconnected, then he couldn't hear Ozzy. What stage are we at at the moment, Rob? I'm in bliss. I can't hear anyone. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um... I can hear you. Can you hello, hear the wife? <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Relax, you're a week early. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, Rob, you, think, good, good. I think it's a, it's a bog on Safari on iOS, so I think I've worked it out uh, what to do if that happens in the future, so we should be okay going forward. Um, yeah, I was really hyped. What are we getting to Loma Lopez now? No, I've missed everything for the weekend anyway, so... We're going straight on to Loma Lopez, Rob. I'm going to say to you, biggest fight of the year since Fury versus Wilder 2. And I'm going to give credit to Lopez. I don't think he's going to win, but I'm going to give him credit for pushing for this fight. Yeah, I think he deserves, he deserves massive credit. What's he had? 15, 16 fights, something like that. Um, not a, not a, a seasoned pro by any stretch, but he's full of confidence. He believes in his own ability. And so far, he's been right. I'd say 
looking down his record, there's a couple of tough, tough opponents in it. Nothing, nothing that would certainly scare Lomachenko by any stretch. But it's the manner of the way he's been winning the fights, um, especially the ones by knockout. Now, I know the Japanese kid took him the distance, so I don't think that would bode for him. I've say I've been saying for a while I've got a sneaky feeling for Teofimo Lopez in this fight. I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but I still don't see him doing it. So I think it's either going to be emphatic upset for Hello, hello. We've lost you, Kel Perry. Kel Perry, you're gone. Can you hear me? You're back now. You're back now. Hello. You cut off for 20 seconds. We we'll are... We'll get you back. Rob's battling the elements here. He's on the end of a stiff jab. Go on, Rob. Give another go. I seem to have lost him. Can you still hear me, Andy? Hello. <laughs> lad. Well, let's come to you then shall we uh, Battle of the Fathers was the next note I had Anatoly, quiet spoken man Ukrainian against Teofimo Lopez's father, I think he's Teofimo senior, couldn't be any polar opposite really, he's brash, he, he writes checks doesn't he for his son that he has to go in and cash Sorry, you talking to me there mate, sorry I'm talking to you Andy, sorry again. Sorry, I, Yeah, I'm at the end of the day look I'm, I'm really looking forward to this fight because we'll get to the dads in a minute. I think uh, Lopez Senior has done a lot of talking. Um, and Papachenko always just he sits there quietly and stuff, never says much. I see they've got a documentary out now and uh, Prime about him. It's maybe worth a wee watch, actually. Maybe we can sit and watch it. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, Lopez has done really well talking up this fight. Um, you know, he's, got everybody, he's got everybody buzzing about it at the end of the day. He's, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people out there waging big money. I think Lopez is going to turn the business and stuff like that. So, you know, he's really got the buzz going. Um, Loma, he's, he's been quiet as such. Now, at the end of the day, he said it himself, I'll let Lopez do the talk and stuff like that and build up the pay-per-view and all that type of stuff and that. But um, it's definitely possibly the best matchup of the year. Um, Lopez is claiming he's, he's he's a great boxer, you know, you know, so he claims anyway. But um, I think he needs to go back and kind of like think about what happened against Nakatani, for example, whereas... It probably calls into, his, into question his mentality because uh, maybe mentally weakest to, to a point because he didn't look good against Nakatani. He was he was struggling with the kind of long, tall guy, and he basically said after the fight that he was going to retire, and then he's um, he's not wanting to fight tall fighters, for example. He's um, he's got problems with the family after getting married and stuff. He didn't want to come home. He's crying and all that sort of stuff. So that to me suggests. Uh, I can I go back to what I just said there. Like, you know, boxing is ninety percent mental, and I think Lomachenko is so mentally strong, so mentally tough and stuff. I'm not saying he's he's he's, he's invincible, obviously. And in I mean anybody can go one punch, anybody can go. We, we we know this, and Lopez obviously has got that punching chance and stuff. But I just think uh, he's best chance to win this fight because what I see is uh, I'll pick out his flaws first. Anyway, I think Lopez carries the left hand too low. A bit like Floyd does, but Floyd can get away with it because he's, he's so technically gifted and stuff. But then Lopez tries, tries the, the shoulder roll as well as a kind of defensive me uh, measure and then kind of tries to come back with the right hand. I don't think that's going to work with, with Lomachenko. I've not seen him uh, Lopez fight many southpaws and stuff. You know, Lopez Sr.'s thinking that all, all Lomachenko's going to do is move to the right. Um, I did pick up on that. I think Loma would go to the right because of the, um, the low left hand. He could maybe ping in a, 
a right hook and kind of come in with a straight left hand and stuff and then dance around about him. I do think Lopez is a bit stiff as such. I don't, I don't think he can, he, he, he doesn't really work angles. He kind of comes forward in straight lines. He backs up in straight lines as well. I don't think his jab's too, you know, too good. It's, it's okay. He, he kind of throws it for the body and such. But um, I just think he needs to be kind of getting the hands up. I think he need to keep the hands up actually. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he adopts to, to fight. I don't think he's going to try and outbox him. If he does, then I think he's have to try and think with Lomachenko. I don't think he really wants to be doing that. I think Loma's just at a, technically on a different level, totally. I just think Lopez's best chance might be to kind of like rough him up, step in there and try and use his natural strength. How much that's going to do him uh, good, I don't know, because I know for a fact Lomachenko, I don't know if anybody's seen the, the, the top rank Blood, Sweat and Tears episode that came out there a, lot, a couple of days ago. No. No, well, if you look at the, the the scene on Lomachenko, actually, he's actually training with Dmitry Mitrofanov, who's a you know a very very accomplished amateur, strong, rugged, technically good middleweight. Um, so, if, if Lomachenko, who's a, a supposed so-called featherweight, is that is actually sparring and doing Greco-Roman wrestling with a, with a middleweight and and training stuff like that, I think uh, I think that just tells you where he's at and stuff. I just think Loma. Technically, is, is is superior, but obviously, again, you got to kind of wonder about the about the right hand. Would if sorry, if Loma, if Lopez elects to box, does he nullify his own advantages? He seems to be hungry. He's vocally called for the fight even before uh, the Edis Tatley fight. He was coming for the Lomachenko fight. Well, he will probably weigh heavier in the ring than Lomachenko on the night. He's certainly thicker, muscular wise and stuff like that. Um, he's got the power. Well. Power to a degree. I've obviously we've seen him ice opponents and stuff, but if you look at the Richard Comey fight, people say, Oh, he iced him, he knocked him out, no, he did they? He knocked him down badly and Comey got up off his feet. So I think that's something to kind of reference as well. People go back to like say for example Lomachenko getting dropped off Linares and stuff, but um look, he, must he is have... susceptible to the right hand, isn't he? He, he said is... that himself on the Steve Kim podcast. He can be, so obviously he needs to watch out for it. It was the right hand that, that, that dropped Comey actually pretty badly. Um, I just think you know, he's got to work on his job more. He's got to, you know, then he go back in straight lines, Lopez. But again, I go back to the fact is I think there's a bit of mental fragility about Lopez. Um, you know, there's, you know, I don't want to fight tall guys. You know, I want to retire and stuff. So, uh, to me, I think if if Loma can can work the business on him and stuff, I I could see maybe a mercy stoppage stuff. Like that. But I, I'm 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 thinking Lopez. Uh, sorry, Lomachenko points. Um, I do think he'll have his moments where he's, he's going to have a wee, wee bit of struggle and might have to kind of grapple and work angles stuff up. We've, we've seen Lomachenko when he's when he's in the in the in the clinch, he kind of like pulls himself free and he's back on back on to working that. I, I just want to see how he's going to Lomachenko's going to manoeuvre when about Lopez and stuff and like how he's going to nullify that right hand. And you'll need to watch out for the uh, Lopez left hook as well, the the, the lead left hook. Um, so we'll wait and see how that kind of transpires and stuff. So um, yeah, so as I say, Lopez shoulder roll, don't get the kind of poverty, kind of Floyd, kind of shoulder shoulder roll that he's got and stuff. Um, the weight, it'll be interesting to see how Lopez makes the weight and stuff as well. So we'll wait and see how that goes. But um, I just think uh, distance fight all over it. Can Lopez outthink Loma? Maybe no. Is he mentally stronger than Loma? Maybe no. Is he powerful than Loma? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's intriguing, definitely intriguing, because I say it's one punch and it could go. He could go. We know Loma's fighting up at his 
pass his natural weight anyway. Um, but he's, he's, he's seeking challenges, seeking tests. And people need to remember as well there's that, that Loma actually called out uh, Lopez when he became world champion after after going up against uh, against Comey. Another thing as well is what I did notice from the Eris Tatley fight was Tatley, who's got a good jab, actually marked up Lopez, was actually catching him. So um, outside of the belt, really, for Lomachenko, there's very little for him to gain outside of the belt here. Because if he loses, he got he beat off a 15-0, 23-year-old kid. If he wins, Lopez is too young, he's too inexperienced, not that sort of shit. So I can just hear the excuses that's going to get made, like like what happened with the Rigondo fight. So, end of the day, people are jamming for this fight. So, but I didn't want to hear any, you know, any change in the narrative after this fight. If Lomachenko schools him and absolutely embarrasses him, I think Lopez would probably quit the sport because he's talked so much shit. And his dad, who, by the way, is, he's just a cheerleader. Can I just say that because? You know, he says, oh, Tia female can do a million different things. Well, okay, I've watched a fair bit of his fights and footage and stuff, but I've never seen him change it up or vary it up a wee bit. Um, so I like to see what this million different things that he can do. I haven't seen him fully tested. I haven't seen him kind of like, you know, banged up. I haven't kind of like really get proper tested and stuff. So this could be a baptism, a proper baptism here, actually, and one that he may never recover from. But I'll tell you what. If he pulls it off next week, I'll be the first person on this podcast next week to sing his praises and say that we've got a new star in the sport because I didn't want to hear anybody say either that Lomachenko's old or washed and all that sort of stuff if yeah. he gets knocked out. It'll be a legitimate win. Yeah, it's a legit one against one of the greatest fighters of this generation, one of the greatest amateurs of all time. You know, So if Lopez wins, give him his credit. If Similarly as well, if Loma wins, give him his credit as well because this kid has talked it up He's got all the the you know the jive behind him. He's got all the momentum and stuff. And another thing as well is, I, I, just going back to the mentality side of things and that as well is, I think when you, when you seen after the Kwame fight, Bob Arms in the ring after the fight, and he's telling him, "Do not fuck this up." Now, I didn't know the context of that, but I think you know there's just something in the background. I'm not too sure about that. But if you if you look at the family situation, listen to what I've heard now about, about his mentality, he deals with anxiety and stuff like that. Well, I tell you, if he, if he, if he, look, you're a boxer, right? And I, I, I know we're in an age now where we've got to discuss, especially in the kind of male sphere, about our mental health and all that sort of stuff. But you're fucking, you're a boxer. You do not show any weakness. And if you start saying that, listen, I'm, I'm, I've got, I've, I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety and stuff like that. Lomachenko's rubbing his hands at that. And says, right, okay, mentally, I can get at him. I know I can break him down now. If he's mentally weak in any way, shape, or form, Lomachenko will find a way to make him quit if he can just start kind of working them over and that. But outside of that, maybe a late stoppage as such, but I think the safe bet for me, I'm going to see Lomachenko in points. I'll go something like 116, 112. I'll be absolutely shocked if it's a, if it's a shutout because I think I think Loma will give Lopez his, his respect because he's power and that. But you never know. He might go in there, look at him, and say, like, you ain't got shit, man, and just kind of work him over and that. So we'll wait and see. There's, there's a few things that might, might, might work here and that, but... I just think Lomachenko, just his mentality, his training's on a, on, a, on a different level. His dad leaves nothing to chance. And as I say, he's, he's span middleweights at the minute. So Lomachenko, UD for me. UD for Andy. We'll get a pick off all the boys. Throw your predictions in the chat if you wish. Yeah, he's got things going for him. Old Lopez, he's 10 years younger, taller, bigger man. If he lands that right hand like Lenares did, then you never really know. But... 
if Lopez can't hurt him, it's unlikely he's going to outbox him, let's be honest. And Lomachenko has that huge advantage in experience. Aussie John Wayne said there, I think Teofimo Lopez has that special quality of being able to raise his game. I can see this being the start of something special. And this actually leads into something I mentioned last week, Oz. I liken this to sort of Canelo-Floyd situation. I wonder whether Lomachenko sees the potential, the talent, the future star power of Lopez, similar to the way Mayweather did, beat Canelo at that sort of stage in his career. And everything Canelo has done afterwards has helped to enhance not only Canelo's career, but also Floyd's as well. In that case, the pressure is definitely on Lomachenko here. And unless Lopez takes a career-ending beating, he's onto a winner in most respects. Agree, uh, and I like that analogy, um, but I wouldn't say the pressure's just on Lomachenko. Uh, as Andy said, Lopez has taught the talk, so, so he's got to impress, really. I mean, it's not going to look good, as he? You know, like we've seen it before, you know, fighters come out, say, say this and say that, and then they get iced and they become a shadow of the former self. Um, I actually think, look, when we know Lomachenko can be caught, um, and I think it, it was when he was dropped off Linares, but wasn't really hurt. And, and Linares is no slouch; he can bang. Um, certainly, think look, Lopez is certainly the bigger guy. Do we see him outboxing him? Not at all. So I think Lopez has essentially got to try and take it to him, uh, vary it up, do something he's probably not done before. Because if you try and box ultimately the master, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't see him being able to do that for twelve rounds. Um, Lomachenko's had all sorts of styles, uh, abilities, qualities in there in that short pro career of sorts. So, so he's kind of been, been there, seen it, done it. Uh, Lopez is arguably coming off a career best performance and win uh, when he knocked out uh, Richard Comey. Um, and it's not something I thought he would have done, particularly in that sort of fashion. But that saying, I think Lomachenko will have too much for him. I just think he's too schooled. Uh, and Lopez is maybe just a bit raw at the moment. Two years down the line, it could be a completely different fight, but I think you've you've summed it up perfectly, Steve, a bit like the, the Mayweather-Canelo situation, that Lomachenko can see, clearly see Lopez's qualities, and he's thinking, now, well, I, I take it now, um, and, and I back myself to go and win with you know, my skills, experience. Two years' time, I've, I'm two years older, I've got more miles on the clock against, you know... Uh, a hungry fighter um, coming up and he's always improving, it might well be a hell of a lot different. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I see Lomachenko. Mm, do, do you know, I think he'll stop him. Um, and I think he'll stop him between eight and ten rounds. Um, and I think it'll be the precision of punching. And I think he'll break down Lopez. Um I think like Lopez a Nicholas Walters thing. Do you think Lopez, after about six rounds, when he suddenly realized the realization of what it's like to fight Lomachenko, and he can't yes. do anything, and he's struggling to have success, and all of a sudden he's like, exactly that. It's, been, yeah. it's been a lot yeah. difficult, more difficult in these last fifteen fights than this. Yeah, and and I was going to say that I think he'll have, you know, like he might have, you know, like occasional success, um, but but I think Lomachenko will be quick to adjust. And he'll start to nullify everything he does, and I think it'll be a combination. You know, more meant, you know, like a mental breakdown. Like everything he tries and it's not working. And look, we always say that it's exactly. not just you know like the physical aspect, but a mental aspect as well. That can be draining on you as well. Because imagine you get to the halfway point, and you think, "I have tried fucking everything here, and it's not working. Like, what what the fuck do I do?" 
Uh, and I think it'll be a combination of physically, mentally, as well as Lomachenko's, you know, like boxing IQ and his precision. And I think he'll just wear Lopez down. And again, look, if I get it wrong, fair fucks to the guy because it will be a huge, huge win. But we, we've always said a loss does not define a career. Lopez is young enough, you know, to if, he's, if he suffers a defeat, he can more than come back and still go on to achieve huge, huge things. Um, but for me, I, I, oh, to, to finish, I think Lomachenko will just have too much. Um, and I think it'll be another impressive uh, win. Uh, and I think he'll do it in fine fashion. Just before I bring you back in, Andy, Rob, I want to go to you, actually. Just following on the Lomachenko-Canelo sort of dynamic. You've got Lomachenko here taking a pay cut, looking to unify, fighting a young up-and-comer. You've got Canelo fighting in the courts rather than the ring, trying to get a guaranteed $35 million. Are we on Team Lomachenko here rather than the Prima Donna? Oh, definitely. I, don't, I think Lomachenko's shown since he came in the sport that he's willing to find anyone or to fight anyone. Um, I think he's been detracted from unfairly because of some of the matchmaking. People say, you know, he got Walters off a long layoff. Rigondo was coming up weight classes to fight him and stuff. But that's not, none of that's his fault. Like, you know, he's gone for, he fucking fight, he fights Orlando Salido in his second pro fight, going for a title. Like, and got a baptism of fire that night and adjusted midway through that fight. And since that fight, he hasn't looked bad at knockdown uh, to Linares. Linares is the only one that's given him a close fight. Let's be honest, in his 15 pro fights, He's only had one close, two close fights to Lido and Linares, like so. That's not a bad out. Um, just in terms of this fight, I didn't get to actually talk about it. I think it dropped off. But Andy, I was pointing to the Japanese kid as well. I think that's that doesn't bode too well for him if you're looking to beat Lomachenko. But I have a sneaky feeling for Lopez in this fight. I don't know why. Sometimes I just get these notions, but I just thought everything about him wanting to make this Lomachenko fight is. As much as his dad, you know, Angel Garcia, 2.0, um, the kid himself seems to be um, wanting to take challenges. I mean, he could have easily, um, well, obviously the ESPN fight is easy to make the boat with Aaron, but he could be calling out Haney, he could be calling out Tank Davis, that are two easier fights for him. Um, but he's wanting to go for Lomachenko. And he sees, you know, you have to take into consideration Lomachenko's hundreds of amateur fights. And his pro fight, so he's had a short pro career, but he's had four or five different amateur careers over and over, you know what I mean, on two Olympic gold medal runs. So there is going to be wear and tear on Lomachenko, and he is going to slow down eventually. I don't think he's going to hang around to the kind of same uh, age as Manny Pacquiao and, and, you know, plus be around in his late 30s. I'm sure he could if he wanted to be, but I don't think I don't think he'll operate for too, for too much longer. I think we're kind of seeing him hit his peak. I think we've seen him Lomachenko hit his peak already. And while he's still um, head and shoulders above everybody else, while he's in slight regression, I think there has been there has been some signs. Now you got to reach for him because he's almost perfect. But I think there's been some signs of regression for him, especially at lightweight. Lopez big at the weight, massive puncher, and as well as that, I think you have to factor into the equation now Joey Gamati's uh, inputs because he's been with him since the Kami fight, hasn't he? So I don't think he was with him in the Japanese when he had the Japanese card. But he's been there as assistant trainer to the da. Now we saw Otto Wallin do a lot better than expected against Tyson Fury and actually be in that fight, which none of us thought he would be after seeing him um, since he started training with Gamachi. So he knows his stuff, good trainer, learned under Manny, um, very knowledgeable fella, and they, they're supremely confident. So I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think Lopez is actually going to just go out 
and Father Time's going to be against Lomachenko and he just gets blasted out, or Lomachenko puts on the thorough clinic and wins by UD. I don't, I don't think he's going to stop him, although he probably could. Um, so intriguing. I don't know. Like I can't call this fight for sure. I have a sneaky feeling that Lopez is going to do something more than a lot of people think. Um, but if you put a gun to my head, I'd say Lomachenko UD. But yeah, intriguing fight. Definitely the best fight of the year since uh, Fury Wilder 2 and just the fight we need you know we need this like we need big stars to kind of come and test Lomachenko we need definitive fights for him you know we need somebody to give him some some adversity in fights as well to show his true greatness so it's a brilliant opportunity for both of them Um, I get the no no win thing for Loma but as well as that like if he goes out and dominates this guy on uh, next Saturday, you're gonna to have to start giving him his flowers uh, while he's around to smell him, like because he is one of the greatest. Like, get out of the neighbor's garden, the dog will stop bagging. Oh, 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 chill out, watch out, Bill Burr, chill out there with your zingers. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bill Burr. Oh, we're gonna relax there, pal. Yeah, with the one-liners, so good. Hell, we'll do that, man. Right? Um, but no, it's it's a brilliant fight, man. I cannot wait for this fight. It was so hyped, and like I said. You know, you get you get the pay the brand check to kind of to pique your interest again when things are going shit. But apart from Pavek and White, lockdown boxing has been shite. Oh, one of the other things I wanted to, to make reference to that I think could be an important factor, especially for Lopez, no crowd. So you don't have the oh. under the light the last couple of weeks when things are behind closed doors, when there's no pressure from the crowd whatsoever. You know, that's a factor in any sport at the top level, doing it under the lights. And if you just have to go in and fight Lomachenko behind closed doors, would you prefer, if you were the underdog fighting Lomachenko, would you prefer to fight him in a packed uh, Barclay Centre or Madison Square Garden, or would you like to fight him behind closed doors? Like, So I think that could be a factor too. We're all, um, I don't know if it could be a factor, but it's all very interesting and makes it very intriguing. Yeah, Andy, I mentioned before about um, Fury Wilder 2, best fight since then. you got the Charlo pay-per-view, obviously. You had uh, Leo Santa Cruz against Javonta Davis coming up, White Pavetkin 2, Garcia Campbell. For such a bad year, it looks like it is picking up a little bit and we're gonna, we are going to have some decent fights. Obviously, Baranchik against Cepeda as well came the other week. So the year's looking a little bit better, Andy. I think you wanted to talk about Lopez's uh, attitude there. No, no, well, it's not so much attitude. No, I mean, well, from that, I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's he's moaning here, for example. You know, he says, I, I hates a strong word. I'm not going to hate it in my heart, but he says, I hate Lomachenko, how he kind of conducts himself and carries himself when he speaks to people. <clears throat> if anybody remembers my comments on, on the podcast, maybe a couple of years ago when I met Loma in Germany, I told you guys there's an element of arrogance comes off Lomachenko. Look, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Look, Lomachenko is like 400 odd fucking amateur fights. He is pound for pound one of the one of the best fighters in the world just now and stuff like. That. I, I get it, you know. If, if I was that guy, it would be so hard to keep your your fucking ego in check. That's when you need your your, your real mates to say, "Listen, just 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 read it in a wee bit." But any day, look. When I met Loma, I asked him for a picture, right? And I didn't really do it much with fighters and stuff. Like that. I asked for a picture, and he came. He did. He just kind of nodded his head over and like like nodded his head like to say like, "Come over here." Right, and he gave me the picture, no problem at all. And I said to myself, Yeah, look, I get it. The rebut arrogance. And when Lopez said that, look, it rung straight home to me. But at the end of the day, look, you're really going to hate on a guy because he's ego. 
Remind me yeah, again, what did, Lopez, what did Lopez do when, when, when he's knocking out fighters like he's like, digging holes for him and stuff like that, you know, and you know, jumping about <laughs> like a maniac and doing acrobatics in the ring and stuff like that. So it wouldn't it be like Lopez not to kind of like be arrogant if he was to win a fight against someone like that, for example. So I just thought I want to bring that up. For a reason to hate a guy for being arrogant, look at yourself in the mirror, mate. Just look at yourself that's in the mirror. Like, that's like the people that hate Michael Jordan because he was a bit arrogant. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, like, the greatest the of all time, you know. Greatest fucking guy to ever do. Of course, he's got to be arrogant when he's fucking looking at fellas with inferior skills. Like, he's got, he's looking at them uh, with disdain. Like, But yeah, I, got, I always got that from, from Lomachenko, too. It's a pity, I think, that his English is not as great. I think he could, I, I said that before, I think he could be a bigger star if people could actually read his true personality. I do think he has a, a massive degree of arrogance about him, which is obviously, as well, deserved, totally deserved. Like, some of the things the guy does in the ring we've never seen before, so... Yeah, I can under- completely understand that he's arrogant, but I think it'd be a better selling point for him as a kind of a fucking pantomime villain if he could actually communicate that a little bit better. Okie doke, I know everybody's made their predictions, but we'll go back again through the panel so everyone can shit on us next week and say that they got it right and we got it wrong. I'm just looking through the chat here, see if anybody's made any predictions and what the hell they're talking about, but there's not too much Loma chat going on here. Anybody picking Lopez at all? Anybody in the chat picking Lopez? Somebody did, Andy. Somebody said Lopez knockout within six. I can't well, find it I, now. I'll tell you what, mate. I was in boxing scene uh, for my day. I've not been in a form for years, but I went on the day just to kind of have a look at because I was, I was prepping for this and that. The amount of people who are absolutely putting money on Lopez who are convinced he's going to win this and stuff like that and win it well, it's actually quite scary. That. So this is what's really, as I say, it's, it's hyped the fight a bit. You know, Lopez, he's, he's done his bit, actually. He's carried the promotion. As Rob says, Lomachenko's English isn't great. He's getting better than that. But Lopez has carried this promotion. He's talked all the shit. So once you talk the talk, it's now time to walk the walk. And uh, yeah, it could be a heavy, arduous wrong, uh, sorry, rough and weary road for Lopez. He's going to walk, actually, if he doesn't get this right. So you're going for unanimous decision, Andy. You think Lopez might win about three or four rounds as much as? I think Lopez will will, will be in the fight. Um, again, I, I, it depends what, what kind of mood Loma's in. And, you know, if Loma comes out to make a statement, I could I could definitely see a stoppage. I could see a quit as well. But um, I'm going to take the safe option say Loma's going to win wide on points. Um, people need to remember as well. People shit on the, the, the triangle threes and that about Linares getting brought into the conversation. That as well. People need to remember Lomachenko actually done his shoulder in that fight, I believe, and still fucking stopped mm-hmm. Linares in that fight. So people need to stop with these triangle theories and using Linares as some sort of kind of like say, oh, he wasn't an elite fighter and stuff. People need to kind of like weigh it up with the facts. And that Loma actually had to go for surgery after that fight. He had problems with his hands and that as well, and he's fighting way above his best weight. Yet he's still schooling these guys. And going into these fights, people mentioned Luke Campbell, for example, and that. But that might be the fact is he's it's not a challenge such. But this this fight, I think, with the shit that Lopez has spoken, I think uh, Loma might pick up his game a wee bit more. Just to kind of like you know put the young pretender in his place and say, look, I am Lomachenko, you will fucking yield to me. And I think that might be the element that to it and that. But I'm I'm saying Lomachenko wide on points, um, possibly a quit. Um, but again, as I say, look, as I say, I don't know what Lopez quitting. You Lopez quitting. I, I don't think Lopez is going to quit, man. I honestly don't. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. There's just something that I'm seeing in him that the way he's talking and that. I, I don't know. I, I study people in that as well. It's part of my job and that. I, I just, I don't know what it is. There's just something. There's just something there. Sorry, but I just. You should study that panel, Andy. That'll keep you going for a oh, few weeks. I didn't want it, mate. Listen, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean, though. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's fine. That's Andy. Yeah, I'm going for Lomachenko as well, but my predictions aren't worth a carrot. Everybody knows that. I think Lopez is going to push him all the way. I think Lomachenko will have that extra added bit of class and he'll win maybe 116, 112, maybe even as close as a 115, 113. I think Lopez isn't going to be that easily discouraged. I think the, as I said to Ozzy, the reality of Lomachenko is going to be a lot different from what he thinks and he's going to get picked off at times. I think he's going to keep pitching. He might even knock him down at a point. I don't think Lopez is going to quit. I think he'll keep going for the knockout. He'll believe in his power, Aussie right to the very last bell and keep pushing Lomachenko and he's going to give him one hell of a fight I think but Lomachenko ultimately, to come out on points what do you think? Um, I actually think Lomachenko will break Lopez down and I, as we said before Steve, I think the realisation will hit Lopez at the midway point and, he, and everything he's tried has just had you know, like no real effect to no, no avail um, and I think It'd be more mentally tiring rather than physically tiring, and the precision. And you know, he's no slouch with his power as well, Lomachenko. Um, I think he'll break him down and he'll get the stoppage between eight and ten rounds. Oh, Jason Chukwu, just in time. I can talk now, says Jason. That's a good revelation. Breaking news, Rob. Jason Chukwu can talk. We're only interested in what you've got to say. What's your prediction, Rob? Um. Yeah, I'm I'm to and fro, man. I don't like Lomachenko should beat Tiafimo Lopez every day of the week, real realistically on paper. Um, too much experience, too much ability, can dig nasty to the body, can show that he can adjust in a fight and can overcome adversity in a fight, all stuff that we haven't seen from Lopez thus far. But I just I don't know, I just have a sneaky feeling that this is gonna be the night where Loma gets old and there's a new lion in town. Like I just so I can't give a definitive pick, but I mean, just for the sake of argument here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Lopez. Wrapping Rob Kelly, three to one. Then in Lomachenko's favour, Rob is putting himself out there. Good lad. Let's move on then, shall we? Anything else before we go on to Belly of the Weeks? Anything anybody wants to mention that I might have missed? I might have forgotten about. You know what I'm like. No, well, just a quick mention. Uh, great to see the New Year cards getting mixed up for Japan. So Kazuto Aoka is going to face Kosi Tanaka. Uh, it's looking eyed up for New Year's Eve, so just for the, the staunch, hardcore boxing fans for who love the Japanese stuff in New Year, that fight's potentially getting made. And uh, Chocolatito's saying that uh, the, the Strada rematch is between 80 and 90% complete. I'm getting hard yeah. at that news. I'm getting hard. I was laughing at that earlier. I saw a tweet, he was like, nobody else into this like me, fucking casual. Um, <laughs> I just wondered, Steve, I know you've covered it already. I just wondered, does anyone think that this AJ Fiori fight could now end up being without two of the belts, possibly without the WBO and without the WBC? Because the fact that they've come out, the Fiori side have come out and said this fight is off, and Shelley Finkel is still saying, I think, up until this evening that the fight is on and they're trying to make it for December, has indicated to me that I think there's a bit of skullduggery at play here. Um, Fiori, the master of the mind games, the master of the public spin. I think they might not want this third fight. Like I, 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 I don't want to say don't want it is too strong, but I think that they don't see the benefit in this third fight, and it's a massive risk. There's no reward and a massive risk, and the risk is that this big money fight gets blown away. Same with Pulev fighting fighting Joshua. I mean, assuming that fight's going ahead, but they're saying that the WBO might mandate Usyk as the mandatory. Um, so I just have a feeling that Fury that that, wild, that this Wilder fight is the contract that is not expired and that they're still trying to make it and they might have to forego the WBC just to make uh, Fury Joshua. 
Any thoughts, Andy? Going to drop the belts, you think? Um, yeah, in the day, who's I listened to during the week there and stuff? I can't I forget who it was at the minute, but yeah, they should just fuck off the belts, save some money, because everybody knows who the, two, the, the top two heavyweights are uh, you know, in the world. It's Fury against Joshua. There's no belts required. So just dump the belt or belts, you know, save yourself some commissioning fees. Fuck them off. Who wants to see Suleiman and Mendoza get their fucking face in the fucking picture anyway? Get them to fuck. Vacate the belts. Hairy man. Right? Because <laughs> end of the day, end of the day, the winner is is, is is the man. And let the rest of them pick up the belts and let them fight. They fight the way the man in the division. That's just the way it's going to be, in my opinion. Because end of the day, I think I can see the WBO getting you know, vacated there because Yuzik's going to go to his shot shortly. Yeah, no, I, th- I definitely think it's going to, they're going to, they've made their intent clear now by saying this Wilder fight is off, and whether it is or it isn't, it's going to be off now, it's going to be Fury, Joshua next, but I just have a feeling that uh, Wilder will end up still being WBC champion or fighting for the vacant WBC or something, or not still being, but fighting for the vacant WBC on his comeback, I, th- I think that one's going to get ditched. Too many belts, says Alan. Too many belts, indeed. Let us move on to Bellew of the Week for episode 394. Ozzy's still with us, so is rapping Rob Kelly and Andy Patterson. Might be uh, might be pointless reading out some of these, but let's get, get stuck into them anyway, shall we? First one nominated by Box Rec. Matchroom Boxing for announcing the world title triple header, Katie Taylor against Miriam Gutierrez, Terry Harper against Katie uh, Kathy Thanders. And Ebony Bridges against Rachel Ball, Bellew of the Week for that one. Uh, Hammond has nominated David at Candon Dave for saying world class performance by Joshua Bratzi against Kalich. Bring on Baturbiev. Uh, here's one uh, coming in from Marcus Bellinger on BoxingScene.com. Eubank Jr. Canelo fight has to happen, Andy. So many fans are calling for it. Are you calling for it? <laughs> I have never seen one person call for this fight, by the way. You know, he fucking lost his pen anyway last time he was going to uh, sign for the Glockin fight, so. No, I mean, I've, I heard them on the BBC actually with Bunce and Costello during the week there and stuff. It was a really good interview and that. But um, he said, he said, that I think that's where, the, where that quotes came from actually from that interview. That this fight's going to happen. Um, nah, nah. Um, Carabol, I saw one person call for it. It was uh, Chris Eubank Senior. Yeah, <laughs> the delusional one, or you know, the, the Ninja Turtle, Chris Eubank Senior. I. Um, well, I. I was listen, Eubank was saying as well. Listen, he's looking for fights at one sixty or one sixty eight. But he was saying as well as he's been training with Roy Jones. He's actually losing weight because of the heat and stuff like this. He's like, I'm weighing like one hundred sixty four pounds just now, so he's not clearly a super middleweight. He's a middleweight fighter. Eh? Maybe he could make one fifty four if he wanted to. Probably having to carry Roy around on his back. Maybe he can carry Roy on his back when he boxes Tyson. You know the way Roy well, can't get around the ring as well I these w- days. I wonder if Roy's actually going to use him, uh, teach him how to use his jab properly in that as well. You know, because he's actually got him, you know, moving and uh, to rap music and stuff like that, and jabbing to rap music and all that sort of stuff and that. So I don't know how that works for Roy, but Roy's Roy at the end of the day. You know, he's making he's making him fight chickens out in the backyard and everything as well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking to Brynn actually you know, about, about Roy's house in Pensacola and that is, he says it's massive, he says it's got lakes, he goes and gets fish, in fact no, he, he grabbed this animal and he threw it into the water for his fish to come and eat it and stuff like that, type of thing in that eh? so it's, it's a mad, he said Chris Eubank was saying his way, he was, in, he was in, the, in the ring sparring this day and he heard this fucking cockerel. He turned round and he was the fucking cockles walking about the gym as he's fucking sparring at the same time, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Cockles running about the fucking gym as you're sparring. Oh, amazing. Cockles, uh, cockles are better than JJ McDonough. 
cockle. Love the cockfight, did Roy. Marcus Bellinger has nominated Floyd. Floyd's getting a bit optimistic about this Javonta Davis-Leo Santa Cruz fight. Hopefully we can get one million, even two million buys on pay-per-view for Santa Cruz against Davis, <laughs> says Floyd. <laughs> Clearly spelling and, and counting are not his two strong points. <laughs> Holy shit, two million buys for Santa Cruz. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the day when fucking Santa Cruz demanded four million to fight Rigon though. Fucking hell. Oh, man. I know I've said it before, but Santa Cruz is a nice guy, Andy, but he's one of the most boring guys yeah. I've ever interviewed in my life. I, I mean, like I said, he's a real nice fella, real genial, pleasant way about him. But you like, ask him a question and every answer was... Well, you know, I'm uh, training so hard for this fight and I'm going to work hard with my team. And uh, oh, my God, you know, come on, man, give me something later. I love it. Uh, his best ever interview was on um, on uh, PBC on Fox when they had him, Abner Maris, and someone else, and they were asking him all, do they fight for legacy or money? They went around to the boys and they were all like, legacy, you know, legacy means so much to me. And they went to Santa Cruz and he was like, I fight for the money. Kind <laughs> 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 of shrugged his shoulders. <laughs> with it. Good old Leo. Wouldn't be the same either, Andy, without a Demetrius Andrade uh, nomination oh, no. here. It's me again. Hashtag let's make it happen at Future of Boxing. Hashtag Varda, says Demetrius Andrade. The Chris Mannix is getting on board. New jabs on the zone. Should Wilder have fired Breland? Can we get Charlo against Andrade? What's next for Boatsy? Not going to dwell on that one. Can't give Mannix Fucking too Mannix, much man. air, try, air time. Oh, he, was, he, he, he was blaming Charlo again there during the weekend. <sighs> for, I mean, what a shell. Page knows him. Move on. Move on. And move on to the WBC. Nominated, uh, I can't remember who nominated this. Apologies to you. I think it might have been Danny Robson, actually. Uh, Happy birthday, Hitman Hatton. And then they've superimposed the WBC title over his waist, even though he never actually won one. That's Mauricio getting stuck in on that one again. Uh, Shannon Courtney. Things are about to get very exciting, says Shannon. Uh, John Joseph McCormick says, you're sending me nudes (laughs) 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 from British Boxing Blog there for that character. Uh, Eggy Phil has nominated McLovin. A lot of crimes from McLovin there. I'm going to have to move on. Too many to mention. Andy, this is from you. Uh, Johnny Clash 1, 30 century man. Bell, you just called Joshua the fastest combination punching heavyweight since Mike Tyson. I mean... Where do you even start with Bellew? I mean, I mean, the first thing I'll say about him is this. Who's Tony Bellew beat? Who's World Class Rocket? Who? Who has he beat? <laughs> <laughs> no more said. I just, I mean, look, Joshua's got decent combination punching, um, decent, decent speed, but Mike Tyson used to absolutely fucking evaporate people with his combination punching, and Josh was never near on that on that level of combination speed and punching power. I would say anyway. Fucking hell. Oh dear, uh, White Dillian White, another one from you, Andy. Dillian White has slammed idiot Wilder oh. for sacking trainer Mark Breland. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is lost on that man. Honestly, crazy. Get yourself back to Mark Tibbs pronto. Get back to Tibbs. Oh, was, back it, to it, was it Tibbs? Oh, it was Tibbs he was training. Yeah, was it? it was. It was, it was Tibbs. It was Aye, Tibbs. Get, fucking idiot, man. I think, I, I, just in the Breland situation, that, mm. that is wrong, man. I mean, listen, you need guys like that. No yes men like, like, like JD's. Breland, clearly, we see that as well. When you see blood coming out of fighters here, you you got to be thinking, fucking, what is he, has he got a burst eardrum? Is that something else? You know, and at the end of the day, Breland's been there, seen it and done it at all levels. And he shouldn't be having to apologise to anybody for what he, for what he did. 
They hear about him, you know, I don't know if it was confirmed, but they, they hear about him getting kicked out in, uh, out the dressing room in tears, begging to get back and stuff like that. Is, that is just fucking wrong. Because there's someone in that corner who cared about his fighter, who did the right thing. Um, while they wanted a body in his record, they didn't think it was wanting to be his own fucking body anyway, put it that way. Absolutely, it's disgusting the way Mark Breland has been treated. Dillian White needs to recognise another one from you, Andy. Ivan Redcatch. Uh, it's like a Paulie Conor McGregor situation, this isn't it? My target. I'm visualise every day about this boy, how I will beat him at uh, Adrian Broner. Redcatch is desperate for that smoke. He's also been a wee bit, a wee bit racist there with putting uh, this boy in there. We I mean, know Redcatch likes to wear the, the Mexican. Wall. He loves a bit of racism, doesn't he, Redcatch? Yeah. Remember, he had the Mexican wall on his on his uh, on his trunks and got ice off a Mexican member. Yeah, eh? That's what was fucking brilliant. Bruno, oh. you know I hate. You know I hate Bruno. Bruno would light his ass up like a Christmas tree. Bruno would kill him. No, oh, he would. Old AB. Uh, David Almond, 86, is nominated Matching Boxing. They did another On This Day. On This Day in 2018, how can you forget? How can you forget where you all were when Reshat Mati secured the KO on his pro debut in Chicago at the Zone next out on November the 7th, Haney Gamboa? Do you remember that, Andy? Reshat Mati, 2018? I mean, fuck me. It's no. embedded in the memory. How could you forget? Who is that person? <laughs> he got a KO on his debut anyway on this day. I think they're abusing the on this day privilege. Talk about abusing privileges. What about this one? Frankie Gavin has got himself a little post-career pastime. Learn to box and get in shape, says Frankie. One-to-one and... and... <laughs> <laughs> He's out of there, is he? <laughs> one-to-one and small group training now available from Frankie Gavin, former world oh, champion fitness love, professional. Oh, dearie me. I love that comment for Curly Watts. Fury should get Breland in his corner. Great move. Yeah, I agree with that. But like, uh, Ward trying to get uh, Dave, John David Daxon out of, out of Kovalev's corner into his for, before the rematch, that would be really a mindfuck. But uh, Frankie Gavin, learn to box, get in shape. As <laughs> he, he, he walks in like the Michelin man. Oh... <laughs> You'd be turned up if you like looking for him, paying the money and all to him. Like, yeah, where's your man that trains us how to fight? Oh, I'm him. What? Give <laughs> that money back for let us fucking pay for this. Fun time, Frankie. On fitness the professional, fitness professional, <laughs> world boxing champion, British champion, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, GB Olympic team, fitness professional. Okay, okay. In bare knuckle boxing now, uh, Smido, uh, not on tonight. We love you, uh, Sam pitch, Jones. Pitch. Yeah, it's guy Smido. Yes, Smido was putting up some topless photos earlier. Uh, Sam Jones called it the Cobra Hunter '92. Uh, it was in response to the Josh Warrington, uh, Carl Frampton. The video of the crowd was going round. Cobra Hunter got stuck in. Only at matchroom boxing shows do you get crowds like this. Frank Warren shows are shit. Sam Jones rightly said this was Frampton versus Warrington on a Frank Warren show. Uh, Smido nominating him for that one. Also, Zeconomics has nominated David Hay for Bellew of the Week for claiming Nathan Gorman should fight Dave Allen next because they are the same weight and it would be a 50-50 fight. We can hold off no longer. We've got a few decent Bellew of the Weeks coming in, but this could take the cake. This is a maybe yeah. a Bellew of the Year. Can we leave Before that we off? do so, Andy, yeah, anything you want to add in? Yeah, I was going to say, you should get everybody else's uh, predictions yep. and nominations yep. before you get this one, but I'll go for the IBO falling for the fake Eddie Hearn account. Oh, yes. It came out yesterday saying Joshua Pulev was going to be 40 quid pay-per-view, and the IBO came back and says, 63 days out, IBO world champion, Anthony Joshua, back in action, December 12th against Kubra Pulev, so they fell for that one. Um, Bellew, uh, well, I'll leave Bunce, I mentioned the hitman as well. Uh, Ebony Bridges, 
in the last 24 hours, Ebony Bridges has been announced to fight for a world title. We have had comparing with Ryan Garcia, Lomachenko, Conor McGregor, and told she has adopted a British-like uh, Lennox Lewis, even though she, he was British. It's just uh, this Ebony Bridges and that as well. You know, some woman. Also, who was that woman during the week? There was 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 tweeting me about uh, the situation. I need to sell my knickers, oh. show my tits and stuff like that. I anyway, I forget her name. She's from Singapore, right? And I'm like, ah, she's nobody knows who I am. I'm like, so I'm, I'm googling her. I'm trying to find out where's her box, right? I found her Facebook page, but I can't get the box. Right? So I couldn't find out what her real name was. I actually had to get something. So what's your real cri- name? No, what did they know who you are? Definitely criteria for a world title in women's boxing. Yeah, they don't have a box, right? <laughs> yeah. Get your tits out, but no, she's like, she's like three, four, and all that Singapore girl. And she's complaining she's not going to a world title fight. Well, just just wait ahead. The phone will ring him next Friday. Next week you'll get a world title fight next week probably. <laughs> I okay. knew about Carl Bridges actually before. She had an STD. They used to call her Burning Bridges. <laughs> Can she even fight? Has anyone seen Ebony Bridges fighting? Oh, she has. She's beating up housewives, aren't she? Oh, man, she's crap. That's what she's I thought, li- yeah. She's literally fine. <laughs> they should have compared her to Jake LaMotta then. <laughs> Ozzy, only one question for you, mate. Mm. Would you? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Man, man, man. My man. I bet it was you who bought the knickers off her, eh? <laughs> it was the socks she was selling, wasn't it? Eddie mate, I, think it was, I think it was Eddie. you. You'll be all over that Brazilian... Uh, Brazilian's bra from next week. I'll tell you exactly who was buying the socks. I love bean! Could have been, could have been, should have been, never been. Baked bean, creepy bean, beanie, rumple still skin. We're on to you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no holding back now, like, we're on the final furlong. Bean, yeah. bean gets one surely for his, we can't put everything on. You know, we can't put everything uh-huh. on. We can put on, we can put on Logan Paul, and we can put on Shannon Courtney, and fucking what's the creative ball. But we're not putting on Lomachenko, Lopez. What's wrong with your greedy maniacs? Can't have it all. Uh, yeah, you get, you get, you get pulled up against Joshua. What are you moaning about? Fucking bean. Uh, fucking bean. Any from, any from you? Any from you, Aussie? Any nominations? Uh, no, mate. No. Nothing from Aussie. Anything from you, Roberto? Also, you had one for Patrick Mahomes there, actually. He just told me. Who? Patrick I Mahomes. I not in the wounds anymore, do I? You can stew <laughs> on that Raiders' defeat tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've noticed, Steve. I'm just looking forward to the fucking coup de gras here. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, this could be a while, baby. This could take me up. I have quite a few yeah, here, so... Let, let's go, Steve. Let us go proceed, then. First of all, most of you yes. have seen the, the, the front runner. And we are all set very shortly now for our top of the bill here tonight at the BT Sports Studio. It is for the famous and historic British middleweight title. And before we get to talk about our main fight here, David, I think it is perhaps appropriate tonight that we just pause to mark Black History Month, most of all. And we, we discussed it today, uh, and we thought it was actually right that we acknowledge that properly, and there's nobody better placed on our team to do that than Steve Bunt. So over to you for a moment, Steve. Shout out to Tom Craze for, uh, for putting that video out there. Yes. Uh, Tom, I don't know if you're listening, mate, but... Uh, 
well, every one of us out there. You know, as a defense, we know. Got a bit of feedback there, though. But uh, shout out to Tom Krasnap for for tweeting out who actually got a response and a question from the one and one and only LL Cool J. So I uh, LL Cool J is uh, been on the been on the task as well. He's like, what the fuck? It's even pulled curtain. The greatest thing about the greatest thing about it was Rob. I thought. Dempsey, he's been leading up to this moment. You know, we mentioned him last week. Someone dug out the Eubank Tyson rape clip. Dempsey was gathering momentum. He was due a moment like this, Rob. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is props to the listener that dug that out, by the way, for a place here. Um, oh, man, it was just, it's bizarre. Like, it's fucking bizarre. And David, like, makes it worse than David Hayes on the panel. Like, and he's like, what? <laughs> he's talking, he's talking, 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 I thought he was going to go. I thought he was going to go. Surely he's going to go to David Hay. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Surely he's going to go to David Hay. That's like Honestly, sitting on the fucking Christ. panel. I don't know. Like, what is that like? That's it's like sitting on the fucking panel with fucking uh, Barry McGuigan and fucking uh, Andy Lee <laughs> on Patrick's Day and going, no better person to comment on Irish fighters than. Jim what? You know, <laughs> it's, it's fucking mental. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Like, like I got that, like, in tons of WhatsApps today, like, that are not box-related, like, lad, just lads and WhatsApp groups. Like, it completely took fire. Like, amazing. He's back in the gym as well, isn't he, Bunty? Looking good. Oh, no, that's Smith-O. 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 <laughs> I think it was. I think it was a clumsy handover, really, from yeah. Dempsey, more than any malicious. I mean, the fact that you've got Bunty involved made it even better, though, because you know he's got previous form, hasn't yeah. he, with the the Jade Goody thing, the Alejandro Gonzalez getting murdered skit. You've got David Hayes sitting there looking non Exactly, it was just a classic comedy moment, and it wasn't even Bunty's finest era, Andy. Because let me show you, Bunty's had better moments than that. Uh, Ukraine, you know. Uh, you think you're not bothered? You're gonna take. Oh, um, but I had I had the two brothers got a restaurant there. I was gonna go eat in their restaurant. <laughs> what a couple of African guys, or just a couple of black Britons? Uh, no, the uh, the Klitschko brothers got a restaurant. Oh, the Klitschko there. brothers! I thought you meant two brothers. <laughs> no, oh, the Klitschko brothers got a restaurant. Yeah, they got a big restaurant oh, there, apparently. So I'm gonna go have a steak there. <laughs> 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 I've never seen that before. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a couple of oh, for fuck's sake! Oh, swear, swear. Listen, as I said to you, Elliot, Bunce is the only person you could put in a conversation, and he could talk about anything. But it was, as you say, it was a it was a poorly poor handover actually, because Bunce did give. I went back and listened to it. Bunce did give a good a good response as such, but surely the que- the handover should have been like along these lines. If he Dempsey. It's Black History Month, and there's no better person to talk about the history of black fighters at, for middleweight championship honours than Steve Bunce. And then that would have been at something along those lines, at least. But just fuck it. I was honestly like, Rob, I was like, I'm sure a few people have said it to me as well on Twitter and that. They were like, okay, David, he's going to come in here to talk now. And then it's Bunce. I'm like, fucking Jesus. And I actually missed what Bunce said because I was pushing myself laughing at that point. I just had to go back and listen to what Bunce actually said. And he actually did pretty well, actually, to be honest with you. But oh, fucking Dempsey, man. <laughs> Dempsey and Bunce. The thing is, Andy, that's not even Bunce's finest moment. Maybe oh, people might not have seen the Jade Goody incident. Oh, so let's just remind them, of, let's remind them of that right now, shall we? I, tell you what, I was just going to point out, you've been nominated for... Uh, for this set, for becoming the British Ambassador of Fighting Sports, and we, we might as well take today just to remind everyone we're getting closer. We've yes, been nominated for a big award this Come year. Come on, son, where's the graphic? Where's that graphic when I need it? There we go. Who's the who's the odd man out? Is it me, or the true Paris Hilton, or that woman at the top? 
Looks like a wig stuck on Jade Goody's head. There was it at the end when she well, was you having. You can't make any jokes about it. No, it's not a joke. I'm just saying. I wonder if that was a wig stuck on at the end. I don't like it. That doesn't suit her. And then the woman who's next to me on my on my right, the screen's left. I don't even know. Who she is Miranda Cosgrove. She is iCarly of Nickelodeon fame. Well, she may be iCarly. Anyway, the four of us are up for an award broadcast news award on June 18th at the um, at the the Hilton Hotel in Central London. Tickets are 275 quid. You buy mine? No, I'm not buying yours. <laughs> so we're going along to that, and and the the Jade show actually, which was the last uh, few weeks of her life. I've got to be honest with you, and, and I'm not joking. I'm not saying it was on Living, a channel mm. I didn't even know existed. It was quite good. I've got to be honest with you. It was because it was suddenly there was no hype. It was just this woman slowly dying in front of the cameras, which I found quite entertaining. And it was it was very good because she was dead and it was honest. It was truthful. As for that Paris Hilton thing, I swear, Andy, if we lose out, you know, I tell you what, if Jade loses out to Paris Hilton and we lose out to Paris Hilton, I'll be sick as a parrot. And I, Carly, can come again, man. Jade can't. You know what I'm saying? I have completely lost any track of what you're saying. Yeah, I have as well. I. I I will add, I, I thought the, the Jay programme was fantastic, but for completely different reasons. I thought it was, it was, it was very uh, heart-rendering stuff. But, um, it was heart-rendering stuff. Plenty still to come here on the Boxing Hour as we hope to speak to a promoter, <laughs> Callis Allen. <laughs> I'd never seen that, man. I had never seen that, I swear to God. I'm, I'm I've never guy. seen that. Like... Oh, 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 was it a wig on her head? Which, I found he was thinking it would have been wrong. We got ahead. That's nothing when he goes, I found it entertaining that we saw a woman <laughs> dying on camera. We got <laughs> to see her last few moments dying oh. on camera, and that was really and entertaining. You're, you're, and then to well, finish it off, in. Amanda can come again, but Jade can't. She's dead. <laughs> That's about what 10, 15 years ago, by but before the virtual signal was oh, going on. Yeah, that, that was about 12 years ago. That was because yeah. Jade's been dead a long time. For those people who don't know, by the way, maybe younger listeners, yeah, Jade was like a reality TV star, wasn't she? Who got uh, big brother cancer, and then, yeah. yeah. Oh man! And then he she said, was she was the one, she was the one that sat naked with her tits out and put her full fist in her mouth. By the way, imagine her taking the cock and balls at the same time. Jesus, Buncey would be having a good time at that one. Buncey was channeling his inner <laughs> Brian King there. I think those were the, the Satanta days, Rob. Oh, you get away with murder, then, man. He said, and your man's like, we can't make jokes about that, Steve. He's like, I'm not making jokes about it, but that I don't like that wig on her head. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's with Buncey. Right? I mean, I wasn't. For uh, time to time, BBC uh, Five Live and that. And sometimes Bunch goes up. I think it's Bunch done really well last night because he, he brought up an important fact about Black History Month is that Dick Turpin, Randy's brother, actually had to get the, the board to withdraw the colour line from the fight for the British title. That's true. Me and Steve covered it back for the Turpin Robinson fight on PFTP. Uh, back, I think it was 50 51, I think it was and stuff. And he's spot on with what he's saying. But sometimes when you hear Bunch talk, he's like, What are you talking about? Just shut up. I was listening to, I was listening, uh, listening to an interview uh, uh, Chantel Cameron. I'm like, Bunsy, what the fuck are you talking about? Just shut up. Sometimes he just goes off on complete tangents. You're like, what was the question again that he was asked? And he's just like, fucking talking about some stuff. And he goes, <laughs> that way he fucking kind of talks and that. But Bunsy, you know, fair, fair play to him last night for kind of like pulling through that. He did really well. But uh, damn, fucking Dempsey, man. It was like his Mark Kriegel moment. I know the point Dempsey... Dempsey was a, was clumsy because Bunsey's a historian. He doesn't know his stuff. After the, People forget after Satanta finished, a lot of people liked Bunsey. He was a character. There was a big Bring Back Bunsey campaign. He had yeah. these 
shows it, over. I went to one in Belfast with Paddy Cronin put it on and Stuart mm-hmm. Longcount and all those, the secondsout.com yeah. crew. And I have to give Bunty his credit, man. He had me on his radio show, BBC Radio London, and that he has been good in yeah. the past recently. Yeah, just, he's been a, been a bit of a miserable old bastard. Like, but I'm not really doing this just to shame him or anything. It's, it's, it's just fair game, really, Bunty. You know? it's, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's just funny. What's nothing against Bunty? As Padgett says in the chat, and that Bunty does get a bit annoying when he gets a high pitched voice about him and stuff. But other than that, well, he knows he's boxing, which is fine enough. But you know, and, and he's part of the fabric, I suppose, and that as well. You know, he's he's he's, he's funny at times, and he goes off and stuff and that as well. But I just thought, uh, I just thought the way he was kind of set up there and that it was, uh, it was, it was set up for David Hay. Look, would that have been better for coming for like someone like Ron McIntosh, for example? You know, someone who is a black presenter who has been awarded. You know, awards for his work within the journalism area, and I thought it would be an ideal opportunity to bring in like say, a guy like that. But then again, Bunsey's been a bit boxing now, it's his game since his early he, he, he boxed at the Fitzroy Lodge, I'm sure, or was it West Ham? I'm not sure. But box, Bunsey knows his boxing, he knows the black fighters and stuff, and he, he, he gave it, he broke it down. I think if Robinson had beat Williams there last night, he'd have been the 10th, I'm sure he'd be the 10th black. The tenth black British fighter to win the British title, actually, and that's way back the day since 1950. They ducked up and broke the colour barrier. So I've won few. I'm, I'm Dick Turpin, by the way. I was doing when I was in school. I was doing past history because I was a lazy bastard. And then about two days before the exam, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do honours." Like, and I went in, but the, to do the honours paper, you had to have an essay done on a part of European history, and I had fucking nothing. Like, for that. so I was like. I just do the Dick, Tor- Dick Turpin story. Like, if we do something boxing, I'll do the Dick Turpin story. So I did the fucking SA6 paragraphs or whatever, referenced all the boxing boxing books that we downed, and I ended up getting a B <laughs> in honours history, taking it the night before. B for brilliant, book. Rob. Well done. Yeah, it's better than the fucking what I was getting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> See? Who knows what that could have stood for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> tell you right. I know, I tell you, I, fucking, I know I'm going off on one, but fucking, it's fucking hilarious. Um, around that time, there was a lad that lived down the road from me, like, and he used to study, like, he'd stay up all night studying, I was never fucking studying, man, I used to do enough to get by, like, so I'd be walking home from school with this guy, and he'd be like, listen, I have these fucking tablets, like, you take them, and they stay, you stay up all night, like, I was like, what are they, like, he's like, the caffeine tablets, I was like, alright, so give me one, so he gave me one, I put it in my top pocket, I never fucking thought anymore about it, like, put it on my locker or whatever, fuck about six months later, like I'm working and everything, I come home to the gaff, like, my ma opens the door and she's like, now just tell me the truth, and I was like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, and she was like, you've been doing them, you've been doing them, and I was like, what, and she pulls out the tablet, and she goes, dead straight face, you've been taking them C's, I was like, well, fucking call the cops, man, <laughs> get the SWAT team in here, <laughs> what was it, a pro plus or something? <laughs> Oh, fucking caffeine tablet or something. I have a clue, man. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. Fuck me. Hey, my mom used to do that. Along with Paul Dempsey there, Andy. Go ahead. My mum used to do that. She's seen I was like, I was like going out shagging for the first time. I used to put Johnny's in my pocket and stuff. <laughs> and I, come, I remember coming home this day. My mum's doing the, wash, doing the washing. And she says, look, we just jumped out your pocket. I says, we've been jumped out my pocket. You've always been fucking fishing for that. So she's like, ah, she's you. <laughs> He says, you've been hanging about with the Protestants again, fucking weird condoms. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like my man, she, she never put condoms in me pocket. She used to just throw holy water on me going out the door. That's a fucking good. That was doing me. Fucking yeah, hell. No good if you're running up against burning bridges, that one. <laughs> 
And we return to Burning Bridges. Yes, episode 394, Bellew of the Week. It's right up there, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's all going to be Dempsey. Right up there, Andy, with the greats. I think Devon Alexander, yeah. Adam Smith and the, the bomber tattooed on his back. Up there with Yusuf okay. Mack, Ricky Hatton, Sex Slave and Derek Chisora going in on Jarrell Miller. It's got, it's got to be Dempsey this week, hasn't Dempsey, it? Dempsey, without doubt, mate. Listen, I think everybody knew it was sewn up. I think the whole Twitter sphere, boxing sphere, were like, what the actual fuck? Have you just done here? It was, just, it was just a poor handover, that's all it was. But <laughs> it would have been better worded than that. Listen, there's nobody better to talk about than a historian like Bunsey. And then Bunsey, he did a fantastic job actually uh, doing what he, uh, what he mentioned and that. But fucking the setup was just, that's what it was, a poor setup. <laughs> the link, unbelievable. Dempsey for you, was he? Yeah. Wrapping up, Kelly. Could it be anyone other than Paul Dempsey? No, it's got to be Dempsey. I tell you, Bellew would have ran him close this week with some of the shit that he was coming out with from the from the matchroom playbook. But uh, he's won it enough times, and this is a definitive moment. Um, I mean, who better to win a Bellew of the Week in Black History Month than Paul Dempsey? <laughs> Absolutely, well done, Dempsey. Fitting Bellew of the Week oh, win for you. I suppose he has got the you know, jet black hair, so it gives him. <laughs> <laughs> I better just stop. I better qualifies stop. him under his own criteria. Well done, Paul, for winning uh, Belly of the Week, episode 394. And that is where we shall leave it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We've had a good time. Everybody seems to have had a good time in the chat as well. Thanks to Andy Patterson, Ozzy, Rapping Bob Kelly for jumping on on this Sunday evening. We'll catch you all again for episode 395. Same time, same place next week. I've been Steve Wellings. Enjoy Lomachenko, Lopez. Come back next week to hear the full review. We'll catch you all again. Hit the like button, blah, blah, blah. Uh, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.